This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc.com slash drink. Okay, we're rolling. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. How are you, Christine? Listen, I'm so stressed because I'm Why? going to Sweden in like six days, less than oh, six days, and I, I did. I don't. This. I can't wrap my head around bringing a toddler to Europe for several weeks. Um, oh, oh my god! I, I thought you were. I know. I'm do that. I'm terrified. Oh you should be. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah really it, i feel like it'll be fun because all four of her grandparents will be there so it's like it's not oh. just like me blazing the baby so it's like oh someone take the, like they'll be thrilled to take the baby off our hands you know what i mean so yeah you've got built-in setters at least yeah it's, it's just it's not the like... plane that i'm nervous about i bought i bought so much shit for the plane like um i did that thing where i bought like every conceivable item to prepare in like my in my like uh, corporate uh, capitalist way of approaching a problem, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. the plane's going to be stressful because it takes three legs to get. We go to Detroit oh, and we go to Amsterdam, then we go to uh, Sweden. And I'm like, this is going to be like a 18 hour. I, I don't know how many hours a long. I was going to say, do you know the length? You don't know the length? I don't, uh, but a long time. Um, so I was like, okay, so what could we possibly need? So I bought an inflatable footrest so she can sleep on the plane in the middle seat. I bought 
Um, I, I don't even. Oh, I bought a suitcase she can ride on. Precious. <laughs> I bought, like literally everything you could possibly like. If you type in toddler travel, I own it now. Um, <laughs> and I've really gone off the deep end here. Um, and I do this when I'm preparing for something I'm stressed about. I'm like, I'll throw money at it and see if it works. And it. Well, I probably my favorite thing when I'm. It. When I'm having a big feeling, buying myself a little treat is the best thing, Isn't right? The, so it's the best thing. It feels like you're doing something productive and like making it making the problem easier. Um, but like the amount of sticker books I bought, like, is it gonna do anything? I don't maybe. I don't After know. After five we'll, minutes we'll she's gonna out. be like she's gonna be like, A sticker? What how is this gonna keep my attention? But maybe well, she it'll likes keep to your play attention. with like a friggin' pencil, so she better be entertained by stickers. Like, hello. I mean, <laughs> oh, the you should have bought a thousand very... pencils. I don't know. I did. <laughs> Trust me. I bought everything. <laughs> I bought everything. Um. Anyway, so I'm just uh, on on edge about that. But otherwise, I'm I'm okay. How are you? Oh well, compared to that, I'm dandy. That sounds. Oh, good. I feel I feel for you. That sounds really overwhelming. Um, especially because when I travel my main goal is how many of these hours can I sleep? But when you're a parent, you don't get that. You'd have to be. I'm like, how many hours can she sleep? Please. Right. Right. Please, right. Dear right. God. And then oh, did you have like a leash or something? Like uh, I I'm did. very I bought pro a leash. child leash. Okay. I bought a leash. Okay. It's a, it's one of those ones and they're very controversial. I understand. And I know, I know people are like, it hinders their independence. But if I'm walking down like the Champs-Élysées or like one of these fucking giant eight lane streets with a toddler like i want her to be and she's a runner you know like i'm like right. i don't I want don't, her running i personally don't see the controversy in a parent's main priority being making sure she's safe and not stolen or running I away i know and, and it's 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 one of those things where i'm like i'm not gonna just put it on her every second of the day it's just like if we're in a busy airport and yeah. she wants to walk or run like I'd rather. And it's it's not like elite. Like it's like a harness that goes around um, and has a cute little monkey on it. And it just goes to the back. So it's not like going to pull her arm out of her socket or whatever people are worried about. Um, and it, I know like I looked up the controversy because I was like, well, I want to know both sides. And it's basically like, oh, well, you don't want to like hinder their independence. And I'm like, trust me. I don't think I could if I tried. Like, I don't think also, I could hinder her independence if I wanted to. As a non-parent, I don't think I mind hindering their independence in a city neither of us are aware of. That's like... what, I think that's what it is. I feel like the line, I feel like there's a gray area of like, okay, traveling maybe is a special circumstance. Like, I'm not taking her to the park and putting a leash on her and not letting her go play on the playground. Like, that's right, not right, what right. I'm doing. Um, but so I did buy, like, I, um, I bought literally everything. It's Well, my thought is, like, what if you, I mean, at some point you have to take a nap. You have to. And so, like, what if she goes taken off on the plane? I mean, I guess <gasps> you can't go too far on a plane, right? So I, I guess maybe the plane's the best place for her to take off. <laughs> but um... she can, uh, one, one of the, I think the best tip I saw from parents online, like I was reading, like, tips and articles. One of the best tips was do not tell your toddler until you you absolutely need to like hold it as a trump card tell them that they can walk down the airplane mm. aisle like wait till it's like the last straw because if you tell them at the right at the beginning the entire flight they're gonna be like i want to go walk down the airplane and you're like right shit now they know you can do that if you pretend like we're to stay in our seats the whole time and then they're getting so antsy that you're finally like okay let's take a little walk down the you got to save it for last, save it for the, the special occasion. Um, yeah. So anyway, I've learned a lot about very insignificant things, but um, oh. here we are. Well, oh, and I'm drinking this. I got this at Jungle Gyms. It's a mezzo mix. It's a German special. Um, what is that? It's Coca-Cola or not Coca-Cola. Oh, it is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola with um, 
orange soda in it, sort of. It's like oh, an orange flavored cola. It's really delicious. Um, and it's all written in German. Um, so I'm, you know, really preparing. Oh, Austria. Coca-Cola Austria made this. Cool. Good for them. It is a little weird because it says Cola Kisses Orange on the front of it. Mm, so I don't. I, Christine, I miss your Cola Kisses. Oh, I miss your celery kisses. <laughs> Girl, that's a really <laughs> R-rated <deep> kiss. <laughs> that's a really crazy kiss for you to, <laughs> to say anything about. I don't remember what it meant, <laughs> but I know we talked about it, it a long time ago. It was like a three-way, four-way makeout. That's all. <laughs> oh, never mind. I don't want to be part of that. Thanks anyway. Uh, I do. It was a good time. Anyway, you were like, you um, didn't. You weren't invited, Christine. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of babies and uh, why I drink, as you can tell, if you're a YouTube watcher, I am not in the usual troll hole. I'm actually in the closet, euphemism or pun intended. Um, <laughs> and I'm back at my mom's house. Uh, by the way, hold the goddamn phone. First thing I did when I got to Virginia was <laughs> see Christine and Sandy at, at Beach to Sandy and they... Just had the greatest show in the whole world, and it was—it was, it was it like was, you guys did so the good. greatest time ever. M was there. M had an entire receiving line uh, that went like through the venue, and Linda was just eating it up, man. She was like taking photos of M's little VIP line. It was amazing. The next day, we got tagged in so many pictures until we would open them, and they would all be M and like people <laughs> fans, and they're like, and then they would just tag Beach City in the corner, and we were like, this is hilarious. It I... was so great. I was, you have some very good fans who happened to overlap into our it fandom. It was hilarious. They were so amped you were there. Um, and everyone was, was very kind. Everyone did a, I also made sure, like, as I was taking pictures with people, I was like, I don't want to steal Christine's thunder. So, like, let's oh, make God. this super quick. Please um, do. But everyone was super respectful. It was actually, it moved a lot faster than some of our meet and greets that have had security. Everyone was just so on top of like being really respectful. It was very kind. Oh, um, they probably wanted to get back to their um, nachos at the table, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, no, I was very proud of you. And it was also the Aww. only time I've ever been in a theater with you and not terrified. So And not had the like propranol situation. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm happy. I'm so happy you were able to go and your mom came and my mom and your mom got to, and my mom came which was kind of a surprise. So they got to see each other again. We got a photo of the two of them. It was, uh, it felt like the old days, you know? There was one person who came to your show who was sitting between the table with me and my mom and the table with your mom and all of your family. And yeah. so I, I feel like they kind of in like, you oh, know, they were just smashed in the middle. <laughs> like if they're big fans of either of the shows, it was probably to them maybe like hitting the lottery because to their left was sure those weren't my. Their... Are you sure those weren't my cousins that just came no. and had no idea no, what was be, going on? Unless oh, your okay. cousin wanted to take a picture with me and said they were oh, the no, biggest no. fan I thought ever. you meant they were just like watching from the sidelines. Um, no, it was just very like, I'm sure they were like, oh man, I got the best seat in the house because I'm oh, like surrounded by all the people uh, that I've They're been hearing everywhere. about. They're everywhere. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, wow. you did a great job and I'm very proud of Thank you. Thank you. But... That's so sweet. Uh, it was. Um, it meant so much that you made the drive up. Really, it did. It was an hour. That's L.A. That's an L.A. dinner, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's an L.A. Uh, drive to a jaunt, restaurant, jaunt to the pharmacy. Yeah, that's a hop, skip, jump, whatever away. Um, no, but so I'm home because Deirdre had a baby. 
and I came I he's came so here to He's so cute. He's really cute and like you know we don't say that about all babies or we don't think it about all babies. I definitely was prepared cute. to lie to her and say she had oh, a cute baby. Of course you said that to me. You said I will he... try to I you said to me I will lie to your face and I will lie very well. And I was like thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. And that. I meant it and I meant it with you your too. I was like I'll I'll tell you he's cute even if he's not cuz there's you know he'll grow into it. But this baby yeah. actually just really popped out. He's very out. cute. Pretty adorable. So he didn't really just pop out. I think it seemed like it was a lot longer. He got cut out. <laughs> he, got, he got sliced out. But it's okay. Um, that, you know, sometimes that happens. Well, so but now is, I've got a Leona. holding up well and, as a deer? And oh, a, yeah. And a baby that's a Leo. So, you know. Oh, you had so, two Leos. I know. And, uh, I love it. It was it was a good time. We I the well not for Deirdre but <laughs> for me. Um, we were at the. I was at the hospital the whole time, and it was wow. quite a party yeah, in goes, the waiting oh, room. I'm here. Uh, Deirdre's getting induced, and I was like, "Are you there for three days? What are you doing?" And like, indeed, Em was there for the long haul. I was like, "Wow, was, you we were, were in a the trooper. hospital for like forty hours. It was and no sleep. It was we were all just so slap happy. Um, but it was like it was." really lovely because it's her family that i've grown up with and so yeah it was just it's a, like, like your family basically at three in the morning we were just all very delirious and everything was hysterical and the poor people who had to share a waiting room with us probably hated us but um <laughs> i oh, wanted to I'm say so happy uh that is one half the reason i drink a art an arnie p from starbees today um but the other reason i drank which was this is so random but i just wanted to mention it because it was like such like a euphoric experience um which with all my health stuff i never get to talk about euphoric experiences so here's one um we while i was home she had the baby far away from my house so we were driving and gonna stay in a hotel the night before we went to the hospital and we stopped halfway at one of our other friends' houses who was having a birthday party. And I ended up staying the whole time. I caught like caught up and got back in touch with some like a friend from high school. And I guess she had like her nieces at the party. So they, they rented out like this big moon bounce for all the kids that were gonna be <gasps> at this party. And uh <laughs> if you follow if you saw my Instagram story a while back, you might have seen the post about it. But it was just such like a, a lovely moment we uh, after all the kids left and all the adults there was only like five of us left and it was me two of my best friends from high school and then two other Aww. people that i just met that night and it was in the middle of the night everyone was getting kind of like buzzed and we just ended up in the moon bounce and <gasps> i didn't see this Aww. oh it was i ended up i'll send it to you later or we can post it if it's like any at all important to anybody but um my phone accidentally was recording and I got like 10 full minutes of a bunch of like 30 somethings, just me and my best friends from like when we were little kids, just like having the most unadulterated, pure happiness, laughter, joy for like 10 straight minutes, just Stop. jumping in a moon bounce together. And I like, there was a moment where I almost started crying in the moon bounce. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to ruin the vibe, but I like got like, <laughs> I got like just so come on in my feelings about it where I was just like I'm so like this is like it felt very like out of a movie but That's at the so end like sweet. we wore ourselves out so we're just lying in the moon bounce in the middle of the night and just like laughing together and it just sounds like something that a lot of adults don't get to do all the time so Aww, that's anyway really special that, yeah so I had that moment this week so that's why I drink 
Oh, I'm so happy for you. What a delightful time because you were nervous about going home. I feel like it sounds like it's been really nice. I don't know why I was nervous. I think I was just... Well, it's probably overwhelming a bit. No, I think I was just burnt out from all the socializing and now I have to socialize more. But luckily I've got, you know... A moon bounce. <laughs> a closet to sit in to record with you and it feels like I'm home and <laughs> a moon Aww, bounce. Oh, back in the closet, just like you always wanted to be. Just like good old Fredericksburg. To remind yeah, me back to my just childhood. like Virginia days. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it's been a good time. So anyway, I'm home for the next few weeks. You will be seeing this tapestry, which is my childhood bed sheet as my backdrop. Um, and yeah, that's it. So I'm I'm drinking my Arnie P. I've had Starbucks sent to me. It feels like every single day because I just need some sense of normalcy uh, because, you know, I'm not in L.A. Miss the witch, you know, so Aww. all that good stuff. What a time. Um, what a time. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes and there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Would you like to hear a story? I would love nothing more. 
Um, I don't have one today, so I'm just kidding. Well, sucks for me, I guess. <laughs> That's like not even a funny joke, but I still think it's hysterical. Um, so I love that you can be self-aware enough to know something's not funny, but still find it funny. Like you're like, I'm, I think it's funny, even though I know it's not funny. That's really deep. Thank you. I love me and you can't take that from me. And I mm. think I'm funny. Um, it's all that matters. Also, I'm, I've been hanging out with my stepdad, so I think he's just rubbing off on me. Oh, Lord. Um, Everything he says is hysterical you know, to him. Hysterical to him, yeah. <laughs> Seems like dad um, dad vibes. But <laughs> <laughs> dad, yeah. He's also got that like a lot of dads have that like weirdly booming voice that they could be whispering downstairs and you can hear every goddamn word. Oh uh, yeah. So if he is telling a joke, we all know it, you know? It's, yeah, you're all <laughs> laughing all real it. hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet. Exactly. I bet. Okay. Well, anyway, here we go. This is um a very good story, very spooky story for my dear friend Christine, my <laughs> one day enemy, Christine. Oh no! Um, <laughs> what have I done? I don't. I, nothing yet. But I haven't I feel done like it the, yet. Okay. The, the plot will thicken, I think, between it you and thicken I. Thicken at some point, but not too far. Like I don't want it to be too far because I still full need circle. a job. I still need a job. <laughs> That's okay. It'll be like we like make one snide comment, and then everyone like you know oh, freaks out and the drama there's there's now like rumors and lore oh i want to be part of a lore so M bad. wants to be part of the drama i know em always says no i just want to no em, em wants to be part of it and you just admitted it finally finally roll back yesterday two days ago last okay. week every day of my life <laughs> no you always say i don't want to be part of the drama i just want to watch it and i'm like no i don't think so i think you no, want to be part of that's it that's also drama that i wouldn't really be part of because other people are talking about it i don't know what's going on so oh wait, feel... that's true. So we're not part of the drama. We everyone just thinks we are, because if it's lore or it's I rumors see. and it's alleged, but then, there's not actually drama. But, people but then will wouldn't there be? Because now we have to address it, or I guess we don't address it, huh? Oh, that's interesting. What would we do mm. in that situation? You know, what would we do? Would we lean into it? I think it would be fun to send out cryptic like posts, like you oh. know who you are, or like you know how people do like the um. See, you want to get involved in the drama. Uh, oh, Christy. I absolutely do. I never denied it. I would absolutely love it. Ha happily, I will be involved. Uh, no doubt. But like posting on Instagram, like with the like colorful gradient background and just write like <laughs> some people always disappoint or something like so generic. <laughs> Listen, I've been planning for this my whole life. I was born for this. We should look up some like really like moody away messages from AIM and just oh, see what fits us best. It's probably just follow boy lyrics. I'll just keep posting them and people will be like, what does it mean? <laughs> we'll, we'll have to post like a picture, like a selfie or a mirror picture in black and white with like some. Yeah. Oh, God, we could bring emo back. Um, This is going to change my life for the better. Anyway, someone start a rumor about us. Um, and Please. And maybe we play along. I don't know. Maybe I'll say something really rude this episode and then that'll just kickstart it, you know? Let's find out. Maybe I'll today's try, the I'll day that the plot come up thickens. with something rude. And then I'm going to get all in my head. I'll be like, was that for the plot? Oh, yeah. Or was that? that was, no, it wasn't real. <laughs> then we'll accidentally get into a huge fight and everyone will be like, it's a big joke. And we'll be like, no, we're really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Only... everyone thinks we're like pranking them and we're just crying and like <laughs> <laughs> Oh how the turntables, you know? <laughs> yeah, we knew it would come to this. Well okay, uh, while we're still friends, you know, before yeah. the episode. Uh, you is better over, hurry. <laughs> here is the story that I think is kind of spooky ooky. This is the demon of Brownsville Road. Oh, okay. And sounds spooky. we have 
we have a very lovely researcher who gave me a caveat to this um who uh so i guess this is a quote from our researcher sersha most of the sources come from a memoir that bob wrote bob is the main character in the book bob's backstory is a lot to take in <laughs> oh uh love that veil like that's the kind of comment i feel like would start a, fight, a war between us yeah uh, Christine, it's just a you're lot, a lot, to, lot take to take in, in. you're a lot yeah. to take in like that will probably start a war for sure between two gemini's i know i need to call my therapist immediately stat <laughs> um bob's backstory is a lot to take in he was a famously self-proclaimed reagan republican with a lot okay. of self-importance he okay. credits himself hang on now he uh -oh. credits himself with single-handedly cleaning up a corrupt police department run by evil democrats and at mm. one point in the book he says quote to this day i'm a hero to the african-american community <laughs> Lord have mercy. What the fuck kind and of then, quote is that? And then, so, by the way, guess what race he is? <laughs> you can guess, figure it out. Guess um, what a psychotic thing to say. I'm a hero so then, to the end. Ooh. So then Sersha says, so yeah, the story of the actual haunting is good, but if you read the book yourself, brace for his autobiographical chapters. And so it's like, I never was more thrilled that I don't read books in my life. <laughs> except now I'm like kind of sad because I'm like, what this is, is going on here? One thing like, Em's going to finally read and it's going to be because of this like stupid racist man. I bet. No, I'm not. I'm not giving this person my time, but I am curious what makes him think he's a hero to the black community. Well, I, he cleared up all those filthy Democrats. So, oh, I don't right. Know. Well, thank God. Someone thank alert God. Reagan. Someone had, someone had to do it. <laughs> So uh, his name is Bob Cranmer, um, and he grew up in Brentwood, which is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And as a kid, he would walk by this manor uh, in his area, which, you know, I love a manor. Love um, a manor. You, know, you live I, in a manor. I, thank you. I feel so seen, I mean, I don't Christine. feel like I need to, to be thanked because it's true. Stop it. I'm just stating the obvious. That's why we're going to have a celery kiss with that kind of attitude. Because... Oh, so there's two ends of the spectrum. Like, all-out war or celery kisses. And I'd love Maybe to stay in the middle. The... Maybe that is the rumor, Christine, that we give each Maybe other Maybe that's kiss. the rumor. I mean, I, I am wearing a shirt you gave me. That's got to be a clue, right? So Grandpa's you're, cheese barn. You're wearing my shirt. We're talking about four-way kisses. It's just I'm the two of us. Yeah, it's just a matter of time ah. before the internet starts talking. And then all of a sudden you flee to Sweden for like three weeks, you know, oh, yeah, so I just disappear. <laughs> no word from me. <laughs> um, no, I love a manor, especially because, as Christine said, my apartment is the Schultzforth Manor and I That's love right. her very much. Yeah. Despite her roaches. Um, mm. As a kid, he would walk by this manor. It was not mine. And the address was 3406 Brownsville Road. And okay. he really really dug this manor he would imagine like the family who got to live there he it was just very fantastical to him which again if i ever see a spooky looking manor i would do the exact same thing oh i relate to that 100 percent. selene and i would walk around and go one day we'll live in that house and adopt 400 dogs and cats we still to this day every time we see a cool house like a really old spooky house we send it to each other and say like i finally found the mansion for our million dogs and cats like that's that was always our plan so i totally get that vibe like finding the big spooky manners we um we as in me and allison have a fun um habit it's my favorite habit of at 3 a.m i mean everyone else does it going on zillow at 3 a.m zillowing but only looking at 
the Victorian manners that are just so oh, out of our for price range. Sure. Yeah, you should do that in in my area because they're definitely more affordable, but they're like also like way older because they're like from you know you see some weird shit in these Zillow pages. Oh yeah, well in like Kentucky, <laughs> some weird shit out there. Well, there's a manor at thirty four oh six Brownsville Road apparently, so go cool. check that one out if you want. Cool. Um, and by the way, fun fact: it is now a national landmark. So. Oh. Uh, the manor had three floors. It had a big porch with pillars, had fancy stairs, uh, had servant stairs in the back. Yikes. They always do. And it had a big wraparound balcony. I love a wraparound anything. Balcony, porch. uh, How delightful would that be? A wraparound. Oh. What a dream. Anyway, if you're looking to send me any Zillow posts about Victorian manners. Send you a mansion. If they have a wraparound porch, I'm five times more likely to dream about it. Sorry. Uh, the So it was like this really extravagant manner to him as a kid. And it was not technically ever seen as haunted. There was another house in the neighborhood that was said to be haunted. Hmm. Um, and when he was a little kid, he and his friends actually tried to go to the haunted house. And they tried to like get in to the house. And the door wouldn't budge. And as they were leaving, the door flung open all by itself. And somebody so said, was... please get off my property. Like, did somebody, right. <laughs> li- did somebody live there? That seems like, of course they couldn't get in. I have no more information other than that. Oh, but it okay. sounds like he had a spooky encounter okay, at said okay. spooky home. I'm just going to go along with, like, there was nobody living there because Let's hope, otherwise yeah. that would be really, yeah. Well, so... That was, you know, his only really spooky experience as a kid was the house that wasn't the manor he loved. Um, he grows up. He joins the military. He meets his wife. I think her name's Lisa. It's with an E instead of an I. Lessa? Lisa? Oh, interesting. Um, and he ends up leaving the military and he ha- he has to go back home. His brother suddenly passed away. And <sighs> him, his wife, and his four kids all move back to Bob's hometown to be close to the family. Okay. So while they're there, there's a family called the McHenrys, and they're the family that actually lives in the manor he loved as a little kid. (gasps) And they're selling it. Oh, shit. Here we go. And they're somewhat desperate to find a buyer. Well, well, well. Why could that be? Nobody Uh, knows. So they took Bob's first offer right away. Red flag. Big Uh, red flag. (laughs) (laughs) And they said they gave the excuse of like, oh, well, his wife had to relocate for her job like ASAP, but it seemed a little off to them. But yeah, didn't really matter. This was like Trust your the gut. home he fantasized about as a little kid. I, I mean, mean whatever I, you... I get it, though. Like, I feel like you'd you regret it if you didn't jump yeah. on the chance, you know, mm-hmm. I've always said I don't care what it costs. I somehow in this world, by the way, and like in this fantastical world where money means nothing, I don't care how much it costs. But if the charmed house is ever available, no. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I am going deep like, into debt for that. It's like you often talk about how much things cost. So I don't know in what world you're living, but I see what you're saying. As far as the charmed house specifically, the charmed house uh, or money is the, no object or the Michael or not Michael J. Fox, uh, Marty McFly's Back to the Future House. One of those okay. two. If it's free, I'm a going. And both of them are a half an hour from me currently. So it's not, oh, you know. Oh, shit. So any day now, you could be broke. I'm saying. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> One day if I start complaining about money, just know that maybe I live at either and of those locations. And you do complain about money. I'm like, not in a real <laughs> way, but just in like a, everything's expensive, which it is. But um, 
Well, one day I'm not if gonna I say know anything's up until you like make me pay for your Starbucks or something, and I'm like, uh oh, what's going well, on? If I ever say I moved and I have zero dollars to my name, okay. you can probably guess where I am. I think I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they took Bob's offer right away, um, and they were like, "Hey, you want to go on a tour of your new house? Let's get a cooking. Let's do a tour." Um, and during this tour, Bob's daughter said that she was very uncomfortable in the house and wanted to get out of there. Do we so, know how old she was? I think she was six at the time. Oh, God. Okay. I was thinking like maybe a teenager. Six, I'm like, I trust you. Six year yeah. old. You know. <laughs> 16 year old, no credibility. No. But six year old, thousand percent. <laughs> um, so. The 16 year old just wants a pool. Okay. We all know. But the six year old, <laughs> there's something going on. Uh, yeah. The six year old wanted out of there. And mm-hmm. Mr. McHenry, who's giving them the tour, said that, oh, fun fact, we used to hold a lot of Catholic mass at the house, and we even took Eucharist here. Um, Okay, why? Weird. Whatever. I don't think you're supposed to do that, but whatever. Bob said that verbatim, which is crazy. Um, (laughs) He said, okay, but whatever. (laughs) He's like, "Um, I don't think you're supposed to do that, but like, Um, okay, I guess. I don't think so. His voice changed like two octaves higher, and he was like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) And he held his drink just like that. You know, Mm -hmm. what? Um, I'm sorry, his Stanley Stanley water cup (laughs) just like this? Yeah, I think so. So Bob, who was raised Catholic, he knew that this was not common, and he especially <laughs> knew that taking Eucharist outside of a church was, like, not a thing. No, no. Big no, no. Um, not a but, thing. That's actually the best way to put it. It's not a thing. <laughs> That's what Bob said, at least. Not a thing. <laughs> but so they're still on this tour, uh, and their son, they have three sons, one of their sons wanders off, and the McHenrys particularly are really concerned that he's Uh-oh. alone in the house. That's not a then, good sign. As they're saying, like, we need to go get him, they hear him scream. Fuck. When they all f- go find him, he's at the base of the stairs with his eyes shut. Mm. And we don't really know what happened beyond that, except that when Bob and Lisa got there to, like, get their kid, they felt this really weird energy there. And I guess Lisa's probably on to something. She's like, um, this isn't okay. But But Bob is, like, so enamored with this house yeah. still that he just chalks it up to like oh we're feeling the history of the home which He's is like the blinders most on yeah dad thing i've ever heard in my life oh yeah it's it's basically equivalent to like oh the house is settling yeah exactly exactly mm. so and also i wonder if there's any you know so many haunted houses they it seems like the owner of the house or the the father or the husband seems to get a weird attachment and like can't leave the home you know you have i feel like brought several stories like that to the table and i've definitely seen episodes of tv shows where the mom and kids are like dude what the fuck why are we still we gotta go yeah yeah um yeah so maybe there's some something like that at play yeah um so he also thought that moving into this house not only was kismet and that it's something he's wanted since he was a little kid but he's starting to like look for signs as to why this was meant to be so um for example it is a weird coincidence but i guess a previous owner of this manor had a had an estate sale at some point Mm -hmm. and bob's siblings knew how much he liked the house and went to the estate sale and bought him like a baby crib for for him like when he was expecting his kids um and so he's like, it's so weird that, like, the crib my kids sleep in came from here. And now it's going to go back to the same room it came from. Like, Aww. like he's, like, he's finding connections as to, like, why they were meant to come to this house. So Right. Okay. 
Lisa, however, said that the house felt like it was, quote, laughing at us. I feel <gasps> like we were being taken in by it. Ew, what a spooky way to put that. I've never heard that, but I that's like a creepy phrasing. Like, it, it yeah. was laughing at us. That makes it sound so sinister. Not yeah, just it like, like it was trying you're... to get rid of us. Like, it was mocking us. Uh-huh. Like, Ooh. you're already being stared at with horrible intentions. Yeah. Oh, God. So Bob was super set on moving in. He said that the house made him, this is maybe something that, uh, something akin to what our researcher was warning us about with his um, grandiose opinion of himself. Yeah. Bob apparently said that the house made him feel very important and that it oh. matched his grand ambitions and ideas he had of himself. Well, that must be where he's plopped his writing desk down and decided to write his <laughs> memoir about how great he was to the African-American community. So I, get, I see how this is all coming together full circle. Oh, Christ. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, there you have that. This mm. is maybe the house where he wrote the memoir for all I know. It must be. Um, so December 12th in 88, this is when they move into the house. Okay. Um. Which is interesting. Twelve, twelve, eight, eight. I wonder if that's got anything. Ooh, numerologists sort of... out there. Let Anyone? Twelve, twelve, eighty eight. They move in. The kids are incredibly uncomfy. One mm. of them uh, is what? Not one of them. One of the four are always sleeping in the parents' room because they're uncomfortable in their oh. room. Their son Bobby especially hated his room, and his room is called the blue room because of its blue wallpaper. Mm. Original. Um. They refused to, Bobby refused to sleep in bed ever, and it became the norm for him to sleep on the closet floor in his room oh, with the light on. Didn't you do that? Like I you did do that for a little bit. had your bed in the closet. Oh, that is still a thing. Yeah. Oh, what I were have... you talking about? <laughs> and like never mind. This, this closet. <laughs> oh, I think, this like, closet. <laughs> this is a different closet. I'm in a different room. Um, I no, meant my... the one where you like had your bed, but that was more like a... Right, like, wasn't that more like you could fit your bed in there? So it was like, I I can't fit my bed in there. Yeah, so you so had my, like a cool hangout area in your room or something. I don't know. My room became my room when I was four, and right. it was essential. I think it was like it wasn't the master bedroom or anything, or the sorry, the primary bedroom anymore. By the way, we're saying primary, not master anymore. Yeah, in case anyone's wondering, it's uh, it's it's now um elevated terminology to avoid the the use of that word yeah mm -hmm. um but so it wasn't like it wasn't the primary bedroom but it still had an attached bath to it but i was four and i think my mom was afraid of me like having i don't know if she was afraid of, of me like falling or slipping in the tub or something it just never became a bathroom it just oh. became this weird random offshoot room in my room oh so it, there wasn't an actual bathroom in it oh were you guys building the house yeah oh okay so it was like meant to be a bathroom but it just wasn't turned into one yeah so i have a bathroom sized second room in Ooh, my room which is okay. so weird but um for like when i was a kid that was basically just like storage yeah, for like for an only child man you got like all the space i love made that. in the shade yeah mm -hmm. and so anyway it perfectly fits my bed and like um like a little table and a lamp in there so then i have like my whole actual room to right. be like the party pad the party in high zone school. <laughs> um it was a very cool setup and so that is why i still sleep in my closet when i'm home right but, um no i used to sleep in, in like a like a usual like a normal closet also for, for a period of time but in hindsight i think that was like a sensory deprivation thing oh i get that um, i slept in my closet growing up sometimes it's comfy every now yeah, and then it can be cozy um, like enclosed space 
Yeah, I really like feeling like I'm enclosed, but not suffocated. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, so Bobby, the son, he slept in the closet. And I wonder if that was like essentially a big blanket to him. You know how if you hide Aww. under a blanket, you feel like the ghost can't get you. Yeah, you're like just hiding away, like you're enclosed. You're which yeah. is so wild though, because I feel like most children's ghost stories are there's someone in my closet. In they're scared of the closet. So That's it's a like great point. Are you being drawn to the closet? That's a great point. I didn't think of that. Ugh. Well, eventually his parents give in to the fact that he sleeps in the closet and literally put. Like a crib-sized mattress in there for him to sleep on. Aw, honey. <laughs> and one day, Bob is in the yard, and he finds a metal box buried out there. And in <gasps> it was a bunch of Catholic rosaries. <gasps> Woof. He asked the McHenrys about it, and they said to put it back exactly as it was, and they didn't say anything else about it. So that's a... What's what's more red than a red flag? Um, Crimson? A, I don't know. That's a black flag. <laughs> that's a bad news. So the closet at the bottom of the stairs, not the one Bobby was sleeping in, a different closet. Um, the closet at the oh, bottom the of Harry the stairs. the one Harry was sleeping in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. The, like the lobby or foyer. Lo- not yeah. lobby. It's a, well, it is a manor. But like the your hall, your main hallway. That staircase had a pull chain light bulb. Whoa. And they start noticing that every single day, the chain would always tangle itself up no matter what. Ew. Bob said that there were even times he would close the door for 10 minutes after untangling it, come back, and the chain would be tangled. Ew, again. what the fuck? That's weird and specific. Very specific. Yeah. And also, every morning, the basement lights and radio would turn themselves on by themselves, and the chair down there would move to the center of the room facing the wood stove like someone was getting warm. I was like, what were they doing? Oh, getting warm by the fire. Oh, that's creepy. Bob and Lisa also started joking uh, that they probably had a ghost, but at least he seemed friendly. Mm. Um, which I feel like if you're jumping into it too eager, <laughs> I don't know I, if that's I love helpful the, or not. No, and I love that they're like, <laughs> it's a funny joke, right, guys? Yeah, <laughs> isn't this silly? We're Everyone, laughing, right? <laughs> why won't our friends come over? <laughs> so um, weird how funny we are. <laughs> The kids, however, did not see it as very friendly, uh, and at oh night, no. they said they would hear footsteps in the hallways and knocking on their doors, which I hate that it's like, if something's already freaking you out in your room, the knocking on the door, it feels like a trick of like yes. making you think that you have to give it permission to come in, but it's already come in. 100% because it's like, why the politeness? Like, why are we even pretending to be polite? Unless it's purely to intimidate of like, knock, knock, knock. I want like I'm here. Yeah, I wonder if that's why he slept in the closet, like so he couldn't hear the knocking. And oh, the imagine if you then hear the knocking on the closet door. See, when that's when I—that's where my brain goes. So I would be done. I'd be like, I'm not sleeping in a closet because if it comes to the door, I'm screwed. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Well, so Bob's mom sends a priest over to bless the home, and <laughs> Bobby. This is where I'm starting to think maybe he's attached to something because Bobby wouldn't let the priest bless his room. Is the the kid who slept in the closet? Mm-hmm. Shit. That freaks me out. That does. That does. So the priest doesn't bless the room. And eventually Bob, um, after they've lived there for a few years, I think a few years, he, no, it has to be pretty recently. As soon as, I don't know the time frame, but I think it has to be pretty recent. Okay. Um, Bob is starting to get into local politics and he's working all day long from like six in the morning to 10 at night. At the same time, the house is being renovated and now 
just because it's being renovated, they're all sleeping in Bobby's room. Um, but Lisa was struggling with Bob being gone. She was the mom of four. Mm. I think they were four, like under four or something. Like they were all very young. She was a school board president. And also because they were in a very democratic area, she was having a hard time making friends. Um, oh no. Because Bob is now like a public Republican politician. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. I imagine that would put some conflict of interest in your friendships. And soon the pressure was too much for her that she was temporarily hospitalized with some mental health issues. Oh, no. And when she came back, the renovations were over, so um, only Bobby was left in his room now. So it's like Bobby was now left alone in a room after renovations, which we know always stirs up the ghosts, you know? Yeah. Like, ghosts hate renovations. I don't like it. Um, and this is when the kids begin seeing shadow figures. Oh, shit. That's never good news. And Bobby would hear ghosts moaning in his room at night. God, ew. One night, the kids held a sleepover with their friends, and they started hearing a pounding on a door um, that was leaning into another room. They opened the door, and all of a sudden, the next room that they walked into felt like it was as cold as a meat freezer. (gasps) Just ice cold. Ew, do you think it was, like, drawing them in there? Oh, I don't know. The knocking, like, I'm over here. I don't know. I'd be like, you can stay there. Yeah, exactly. Um, they walk in, it feels like a meat freezer, and then they hear someone from the other side of the room that they can't see start running towards them as fast as it can. Oh my they fucking just, god. <laughs> they just hear the, the footsteps of bam 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 bam. That just like running took my them. breath away. I don't enjoy that. They all scatter, of course, and the friends never came back. Why would you? Good. And another time, Bobby was sick home alone, and he started hearing loud bagpipes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when he hears the bagpipes, he's like, first of all, what in the world is that? So, yeah. And then into his room comes skipping a faceless child-sized body made out of static or lightning bolts. What? S- skipping is the scariest part of it all. It, it is somehow. Skipping or hopping was what I was what the note uh, said. F- hopping's not good either, because like why? Boing, boing, yeah, boing. terrible. <laughs> Ew, you just gave me chills. Yuck. Faceless child-sized body made out of static or lightning bolts. It hops over to him, stands at his bed, and then leaves. What the fuck? Why? Once that figure leaves, a shadow figure is standing at the doorway. Oh no! It it reaches into the room. And Bobby tries to hide under his blanket. But before he knew it, the blanket was ripped off of him. (gasps) And when he looked around and looked back down at the bed, the blanket was perfectly folded at his feet. Oh, that was nice. They were like, I was just doing a little housekeeping. I mean... Can you imagine if you had a, like a cleaning lady come over and you're sleeping and then she just goes, ah, and then just fold, <laughs> folds it But perfectly. in complete silence. Just like, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is happening? And after a faceless child came jumping in. Right, and he's made that of lightning bolts. can't be explained. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he rips the blanket off. Now it's folded at the foot of his bed. Oh then a glowing figure comes floating in it's like a fucking circus going on like it this feels is a parade. like a circus but it's like one at a time yeah like a parade um a glowing figure comes floating in but when bobby screamed everything went away okay that's good i guess 
I like how they were like, whoa, we didn't know we were scaring you. Like, uh, sorry. Jeez, this what? is our parade and you're being kind of an asshole. Well, later on, a priest would explain that the small figure was probably a child's ghost that was being controlled by the shadowy figure. Oh, that's sad. He also said that the glowing figure might have been an angel. But Bobby said, I didn't feel that was angelic and it was horrible. Yeah, I imagine that Bobby would have known if that was a comforting presence. It feels a little invalidating for the priest to be yes. like, "Oh, it was it was your protector." It's I like I can see, ah. I do, I can see why that might be like, "Oh, it, you know, that could be comforting if you if the child believes it." Well, he but didn't. like <laughs> clearly he did it. <laughs> After Bobby saw these beings, more family members began to see that same shadow figure, mm. and they started describing it as five feet tall, straight black hair, and made of a dark black mist. Oh shit. The family then began smelling sulfur in the house. Some of them could even smell urine. And Lisa could smell her old amniotic fluid from when she was having her kids. What? Is that not crazy? What does amniotic... F- I mean, I wouldn't even know what that smell is. I guess if you, your water breaks, then you know what the smell is. Like if you like- had your... I didn't my water didn't break so I'm like like not out mm-hmm. and about but you know how sometimes people water breaks like at home or yeah you know what I mean yeah and I don't then, know what it would smell like but I don't mm-hmm. either but I'm saying then you probably would remember the smell because it was such like an instant that's true like such a moment in time but I mean I had my water broken at the hospital so I don't I was not paying attention to what it smelled like I don't um, even like but how wild like you would think sulfur is the worst because that's like ingredient number one for a demon yeah but then it also smells like urine and then it smells like your own amniotic fluid that, that hasn't been around freaky. for years uh amniotic okay here's uh according to romper amniotic fluid smells like bleach or semen oh maybe it was just semen <laughs> gross she did have like three boys in the house didn't she (laughs) i'm just saying that's a good point i do think they were all children though so i don't know what they okay never mind but i mean that is so funky and like i feel like that's like symbolic in some way of like reminding you of your children or something like it's like like to prey on her maternal instincts ugh that's so gross i mean not the fluid but just the concept of like preying on your maternal instincts truly like at your core like your your womb territory i don't know it's very this is my ugh. womb territory you're infringing on <laughs> <laughs> well so bob interestingly he said that it smelled like body odor um and he said so it's weird that everyone is being yeah handled differently or it's all i mean it sort of is a body odor that's a good point in some ways um he said Similar to body odor, it was only about a three-foot range, which meant, though, that if you smelled it, that meant it was standing next to you. Oh. Oh, no. I'd be like, Mr. Demon, you got stinky armpits. I think <laughs> Put on maybe. some native deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> no parabens or aluminum. <laughs> 
Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. So, just anyway, fun fact, it smelled terrible no matter who you were. Great. Um, And Bob's political career is now kind of, you know, coming to an end, and he's beginning to work at a new job. His daughter is now 16. And she is pregnant and ends up having a son named Colin. Mm -hmm. And her grandma watches the baby when she still goes to school. Bob's sons, Bobby and Charlie, are now getting into, like, the metal goth scene. Oh. Which Bob associates with an interest in Satanism. Yeah. And he started... surprised by that. I know. And he also started uh, really butting heads with his sons. Um, I don't know if... He started really butting heads with his sons, and it seems that it started getting physical. And at one point, the cops were even called, and he was arrested and not allowed <gasps> to come home for two months while they investigated. Oh, shit. That's not good. Um, And because he was a local politician, too, it was all over the news. It's bad, bad look. During this time, this is, again, where maybe his, um, I don't know, his... Uh, hmm. 
maybe if <laughs> I'm I don't know, I don't want to do any um I don't want to say any wrong things, but the implication that maybe he has some narcissistic tendencies mm. um is also shown here because apparently during this time when he's not allowed to come home, he blames the tension at home on a sinister cause and he thinks that his kids might be being affected by the ghosts there versus like maybe him just having a tumultuous relationship with his kids right okay so he's just blame he's essentially what he's saying is like man if only these ghosts weren't around our exactly we'd have the most harmonious family of all time it's like "Mm." i don't know what was going on in their home but there seems to be very little introspection that he could be at fault in any way it didn't it doesn't seem like it's harmonious a and it doesn't seem like he's really helping the cause but yeah. yeah. Again, I don't know what was going on. For all I know, maybe he's right. But I Allegedly. would also <laughs> look into accountability and see if there's a factor there, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so over time, though, the tensions do start to fade between him and his kids. It's now 2003, and Bob notices um, that one day the downstairs closet with the pull chain for the light bulb yeah. is now starting to tangle itself again and it hasn't done that in quite <gasps> oh, some time oh it stopped doing it oh no that's not a- that must be that moment where you do a double take and you go not again yeah like, right oh that must be so chilling so it's now tangled itself and as a test he decides that he's going to tie a rosary to the chain and close the door and then see what happens <laughs> what a fun test <laughs> I'm, like terrified. Either, either nothing or something so bad or like the worst thing <laughs> When he checked again, he saw that the rosary had been intricately taken off of the chain and was hanging on the coat hook. Oh, that was nice of them to keep it intact, though. I thought it was going to be like all the beads were scattered everywhere. It was gentle. Yeah, I thought it was going to like explode or something. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. So this kind of confirmed his theory all those years ago that there really was something dark in the house. And he ended up standing in the closet, kind of like me right now. Yep. <laughs> and uh he read the Bible aloud just to like try to get this thing out of the house. Imagine coming home from school and you're like, What is is that dad? Like and you're like looking around, and then you like open the closet, there's a rosary hanging on a coat hook and he's just standing there like Mark chapter sixteen, verse thirty two. You're like, Okay, I'm just gonna close the door, dad. Imagine to- having your friend come over with you and you're oh, like ignore no, you're, my dad. You might hear some prayers in the closet. Oh god, it's typical. <laughs> Don't worry. So uh as he's reading the Bible in the closet, he says that he feels incredible dread and that someone immediately appeared next to him or <gasps> was, he could feel someone standing next to him. Bob and Lisa good. begin noticing activity all over again with electronics malfunctioning. The clocks would always stop at the same time, including their grandfather clock. Oh, what time did it say? That's an interesting question, but I don't know what. Oh, interesting. Um. One day, the upstairs sink turned itself on and flooded the entire house all the way down to the first floor. (gasps) And another time, the iron turned itself on and fell over on its own, nearly starting a fire. So now this thing (gasps) is really getting dangerous. Oh, God. That's when things are like no joking matter anymore. Yeah. It's not just a chair by, you know, sitting at the fire. It's a fire. (laughs) It's a literal fire. Right. Another time, the... uh, or their son Bobby was hanging out with his girlfriend in his room and both of them saw one of his CDs levitate into the air and then fly into the wall so hard that it dented the drywall. 
and the CD was okay. <laughs> I was like, it didn't I'm shatter. thinking the CD shattered since oh, okay. it got frisbeed in <laughs> to the wall. I was like, I'm more impressed by that than anything else. But um, wow, wow. I, I don't that's... know. I feel like CDs used to be pretty sturdy. It might maybe that's you just true. have to like breathe on it and, and wipe it every time you want to play yeah, it. Yeah, that's know? true. That's every time it dry, flies into the drywall, just give it a little shirt rub. You know, <laughs> it'll be fine. Uh, Bob finally went to a local convent and was told that this sounded like a demonic presence. Uh, and <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Bob was referred to a father, Ed Morin, Moran, M-O-R-A-N, Moran, Moran. Either one, I think. Well, Father Ed, he <laughs> blesses the house, but the next day, every picture on the wall is now crooked. Ah. Uh. The furniture was moved around, doors would lock themselves without the key, and the family had scratches all over them. And Bobby and Lisa even had puncture wounds in their body like something had bit them. Puncture? Oh my god, that's bad. One was in Bobby's stomach, and then another set of puncture wounds was in um, Lisa's breast. Oh god, ew. The only person who is seemingly unfazed through all this is their other son, David, um but <laughs> david's like what the fuck are you guys talking about <laughs> david's like whatever i am doing to keep them away i gotta i gotta mm-hmm. figure out what that is and keep it up um but yeah he seemed somehow unfazed i wonder if the i wonder why like do you think the ghosts were like you're not important or you don't threaten us or you're harder to crack like I was gonna say, or maybe it's the opposite like he just has like a block that like a wall up for some reason yeah. i don't know yeah, maybe that's wild. Uh, Bob calls Father Ed again. Father Ed brings over Father Mike, and <laughs> around they always do. <laughs> it's like prison Mike, but this is Father Mike. <laughs> Close enough. They both wear a do rag inappropriately, and <laughs> say, and they talk to the Dementors. They you know? say Bella de Ball. <laughs> <laughs> um around this time their daughter jessica moves back into the house with her husband and son um and the first night back her son colin sees a figure standing over him and then walk into a wall excellent start good start when this creature walks into a wall the wall was connected to a crawl space so bob hears about this and he moves into their room and at night, he would start praying, and he would hear pounding by the crawl space. That's horrible. The crawl space, I mean, I know it's cliche, but a crawl space, man, I'm not about it. Have I shown uh, you? I haven't. I forgot we have really big crawl spaces in this house. That's so you don't you... have to, how big are they? Do you have to crawl? Yeah, you Can have you to walk? crawl in, um, but they go really far back. That's the fucking worst. Like, what was, what? I think I'm still confused about the advent of crawl spaces because I understand that it's in theory storage, but no, I think the advent or I think the initial purpose was to be able to access like the eaves of the roof or like access certain parts oh. of the house in case you needed to do like say maintenance or uh, repairs. I th- I'm pr- I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that was the original because they're just meant to like squeeze in to, to access points of the house that are hard to reach. That's so, wild. Cause the crawl spaces I've ever seen are all cemented up where it's just like a, it essentially looks like an outdoor basement or something. Um, an outdoor basement. Like, it looks like an outdoor storage room. Like, it's like... Oh, a... I, th- I mean, I think they've probably been turned into that because nowadays we oh, don't necessarily okay. need 
those access points because we can just hire someone to climb up on a ladder and do it from outside or whatever or we can hire sure. someone i'm not sure i might be totally off base but that's i feel like what i i recently no, that, went that totally makes sense because my question was like why do they have to be so goddamn deep like what do you have to get over I there. think it was to access just all around, like the eaves of the roof and places that you wouldn't normally be Makes able to sense. reach. I'm pretty sure. Well, so anyway, the crawl space is now knocking back whenever he prays in there. I want nothing to do with it. And because of this, he would actually open up the crawl space, stick his head in there, and pray even louder to piss it off. <laughs> and then he's wondering, like, why things are almost catching on fire. Seriously. You know? Like, and also, don't like don't stick your head in if you're gonna do that just like crawl on in tell us what's in there like yeah, come on have commit. you seen a horror movie just don't why would you open the door just commit and crawl all the way in if you're gonna be so ballsy about it the real plot twist would be that their unfazed unbothered son was the one hiding out in the crawl space and scaring everybody <laughs> okay now we're talking a thriller a little true crime he's That'd causing all the chaos yeah as far as we know that's not true but that would be Bummer. a really good ending to this <laughs> i like it um so, yeah, so their grandson, Colin, is now saying things are walking around, going into the crawl space. Um, and Jessica, their daughter, starts having sleep paralysis. Oh, shit. And she would see a figure with a grotesque face <gasps> at the end of her bed smiling. Oh, God. Always the smile. She tells smile. her parents that she used to actually always have sleep paralysis when she lived in this house as a kid, but it mm. stopped when she moved out, and now it's only come oh, back when I she's back in the house. See, so it's a it's a contextualized by where she is. Oh mm -hmm. no. Bob goes to his friend, casually, the mayor of Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> of course, it's his friend, or is it? Or does he just right. say it's his friend in the book, and we're supposed to believe him? Just a thought. <laughs> I'm That's just a great asking. Point. Just asking. <laughs> He's got Father Ed, Father Mike, Mayor of Pittsburgh. Was the mayor African American? Was an, or not? Like where <laughs> did he stand? I'm just like I feel like we're missing slight amount of context, but what do I know? It's the perfect amount where like you could write a thriller about this and you'd be it'd be inspired by a true story, <laughs> exactly. but not based on exactly. one. Exactly. Like I, I never heard of him. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so he calls up the mayor of Pittsburgh, of course. Sure, you do that. Yeah. Who contacts the diocese? Uh, bishop who refers bob to not father ed or father mike but father ron um father ron never goes in the home he just consults with a, a catholic mystic away from the home and then oh. calls in to say what the mystic told him okay. which like it sounds like father ron is not needed it sounds like the mystic is doing all the work but it okay. sounds like the father ron is just like middleman yeah so the mystic describes the house in full detail, including the blue room, without ever having seen this house. And then he says, or this mystic says that the house has a, quote, focused evil energy. The mystic says... Was that, that you or a that ghost? Was, that was me. That was my me. my <laughs> skin, like, went, like, my skin went cold. Like, wow, okay. <laughs> sorry. No, I knocked my mic. Because, like, sorry. I saw it move. I've been watching a lot of paranormal caught on camera, and it's, like... Every time now we're on video and something happens, I'm just like, oh, did we capture it for the show for, for Paranormal <laughs> for Discovery Channel? Um, okay, no, that was you. I, that was you. I feel bad, but it, it was just my mic. I just bumped into it. It's probably for the best. So Father Ron talks to this mystic and the mystic is able to describe 
Bob's house in full detail, including the blue room, without ever having seen it. Okay. And he says that the house has a, quote, focused evil energy inside, which I feel like is no different than Father Ed or whoever's saying there's a demon there. It's like, yeah, we've done this. So focused evil. We get it. Yep. Father Ron tells the family to sprinkle salt in every corner of the house. I mean, and I could also... that. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. also, like, <laughs> I don't know enough about, like, you know... I know salt, in theory, like, protects you from evil. Like, I can't imagine with things almost catching on fire and having sleep paralysis and yeah. things walking through walls. I can't imagine salt is going to be your only cure-all to Oh, this. I would imagine not. I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where they were saying um, somebody had a Brazilian um, uh, mystic had, or I believe a priest, I don't remember their title, but had suggested putting ammonia in all the corners of the house and i'm like sounds like they are already smelling ammonia so i don't know right. if that's gonna fix it but it's like just, just pee in the corner just pee in the corner <laughs> um so father ron tells them to sprinkle salts everywhere or in every corner and also to wear gold crosses but bobby's keeps coming off and appearing in odd places <gasps> so it's coming off of your own person and disappearing and that's reappearing elsewhere if it's on your body so and disappears, you. yeah, that's bad. That's like way, what do you call it? Uh, invasion of personal space, like beyond. Yeah. Which like lets you, if it can, without you even being aware, take something off of you, like it could hurt you for sure. Like it could push you, couldn't it? Like, And it, the the fact that you wouldn't notice that it's taking it off of you is also creepy because it's like, what can it do to you that you don't even realize is happening? It also gives Ooh. us more insight into our ongoing theory about um, items being items disappearing and reappearing. Like it, it shows you how close the limits go. Of like, oh, you could have your own wallet in your pocket, and that's you could be it's still not holding safe there. it against your body, and it could vanish. Yeah, because like, do you think they're being like kind of dazed on purpose so they don't even notice, or do you oh. think they would even? Do you think they would feel it if they were paying attention? Great or point. They... Is there like a charm that's briefly put over you where you don't even? yeah notice or does it just disappear and it like like is it just like pop vanish yeah it's all, or also like do you think if you're charmed into some sort of haze like maybe you take it Took off it and off. aren't even aware that you you did it and people are like <gasps> i just watched you do that's that that's worse and yeah because then you can just be hypnotized and t there's like a that's an extra level that's a of whole different thing. lack yeah. of control like you can just walk into traffic at that point you know <gasps> Oy. No, that's why I put a leash on everybody I know, including you. I'm putting a harness on you. Toddler harness. Uh, um, so Bobby's keeps coming off and reappearing in odd places. And after all these years, they finally move Bobby to a new bedroom. It only took that, finally. Um, but on his pillow, he finds his own crucifix covered in teeth marks. Also... Blood splatters begin showing up on the walls and stairs. The dog is barking at empty rooms what? and the smells of urine and amniotic fluid come <gasps> back. What the fuck? There is something so primal and scary about the smells of urine and amniotic fluid. Like that really yeah. is getting to me now because it's like that is such a primal like cycle of life like symbolic thing yeah and it, ritualistic it, and ritualistic and also very very specific like 
very distinct like oh it oh it creeps me out man because sulfur you could be like oh that's it could be the smell of like you know the water has a little sulfur in it or like that's a naturally occurring smell um and with amniotic fluid it's like well that's amniotic fluid like yeah (laughs) what else could it be i don't know oh my god father ron asks bob if there is anything associated with negative energy in the house that could be drawing the stuff in bob is like I don't know what you're talking about. I nothing. <laughs> can't think of anything. <laughs> oh, wait. Except I do have a weird amount of war memorabilia from World War One and World War Two, And some of that collection happens to be, wink, German memorabilia. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. He gave apparently most of his collection away by this time, but he did find, oh, oh, that there was still one Nazi medal still in his drawer. What the um, fuck is he doing with that? In his drawer? Father Ron looks at Bob and goes, like, girl, like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, Father Ron tells him to seal it away in a box with a cross on top of it to contain the energy. Uh, and then later says that he has more information from the mystic. And apparently the mystic has now said, I have a new revelation of your house. Apparently, a doctor used to live here in the 20s and 30s, and he used to give, at the time, illegal abortions to people. (gasps) Amniotic fluid. Bingo. Fuck. Interestingly, the doctor used to actually live down the street in the house that the kids used to swear were haunted. No, 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 no. Plot twist. So... He has ever since, as a child, when that door flung open with his friends, he has been attached to this spirit, probably. You have just shaken me to my core. This is crazy. It has always been with him. Which is so weird, because that also makes me wonder, like, I don't know timeline-wise which house he saw first, but it'd be interesting if he went to that haunted house, was affected by the spirit there, and then every time he walked past that manor, he always had a drawing to it for some reason. (gasps) And it always stayed with him until he became an adult and moved in. Interestingly, the doctor used to live down this... Oh, interestingly, used to live in the house. And the thought is that he had an official practice in the haunted house, but then secretly rented a room in this (gasps) manner for the discreet abortions. Shut up. The mystic described them seeing a door of sorrows... That women came through for the procedures and that this house was on the back of the house. Bob confirmed that a few years before, something they hadn't told anybody, during renovations, (gasps) they actually did find a back door sealed between two walls. (gasps) He's like, oh, I forgot to mention that secret door that was hidden between two walls yeah you know my mistake i always forget to talk about that door and my nazi medals oh Oh, and you know how i love to talk about my nazi medals how but not as much as i love being a hero for the black community that's right that's right oh my god em what a fucking guy this is messy um fun fact also during the renovations a while back bob's uh I guess the builders or whoever, they found under Bob's kitchen a small four by six empty room. <gasps> and like, was, only it, was it hidden? It was hidden. They didn't know about it. <gasps> so I guess maybe it was sealed off. The only thing that was in there 
was a single wooden plank with a man's name written on it. What? Which we don't know who it is. Maybe it's one of the builders. Maybe it's the owner. Maybe it's the doctor. I don't know. Um, Father Ron said that the doctor was careless during the procedures and would often perform these abortions drunk and would harm his patients, and many died in the home. On top of this, Bob also found out that in the 1700s, a mother and her three kids were murdered and buried on the property under the oak tree outside. What? Do we know why? Nope. This was, and not, on top of, this was not by the doctor, right? This was a different time period. A different time period. Okay. On top of that, he also discovered that there was a rumor that the house had actually had a curse on it from one of the original builders. I mean, at so, this point, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> like, something bad is happening. Well, Father Ron said that all the darkness on the property probably opened a portal. So <gasps> one day, he has four priests and ministers come over to go to the four corners of the house and pray. And things were very quiet after that until the priests and ministers left. And then the smell of sulfur comes right back and foamy liquid starts showing up on all the floors. Oh, no, that's spooky. Then Colin said he saw a monster in the blue room. So Jessica is like, I hear you. We're out. And just yeah, fucking done. moves. Done. Uh, Bob th also thought about moving out many times, but he didn't want to give in and let the entities win. So he was too proud, essentially. Yeah, well, maybe that is why um, we see that with, with men kind of being more attached. Maybe it's just more like, no, I don't want to leave because I don't want to. Get or like the, out of my own house the role of protector and right like, like yeah. I'll, I'll win this fight you know maybe that's more what it is or else you're not a man or whatever it could mean yeah like it might just be that inherent like i'll protect us type feeling well he also said he wouldn't feel right giving the house to another family um, i mean that's fair and father ron finally suggests calling an exorcist which is like so awkward because bob didn't know the difference between blessing like blessing a house and exorcisms and stuff and thought the entire time all these years that this is what the priests had been doing all oh along. shit so now he's like wait a minute you're not an exorcist yeah they were, the father ron was like i think it's time to call an exorcist and he was like wait what who are you what have you been doing what? where'd you come from <laughs> and so I would be, I would feel, I don't know what I would feel, but I'd be like, what the fuck? Like this whole time I was not getting the help I thought I was getting. Um, so they have a paranormal team come in first to document what's going on in order to like make a file for an exorcist or make a case for the exorcist. Okay. One member is scratched so hard that their face starts <gasps> bleeding. They also get temperature changes and equipment malfunctioning. And they also, I don't know what equipment they use for this, but they found a secret room Behind the closet at the bottom of the stairs where the tangled chain always was. <gasps> they found a room behind that closet. <sighs> they had to cut through the wall to get to it. And all that was in the room was an amber stone, a bird skeleton, <gasps> three playing cards, <gasps> and a piece of paper. And they also found old Legos that the boys lost years ago, and there's no way the boys could have put them there. It was their Legos. What did the paper say? Anything? On the paper, there were two drawings. One was of the yard, and another was of two men smoking. Huh? And I guess these were like kind of haphazard drawings. 
of two men smoking. Do we think like by kids or like by grownups the drawings? Do we know? Just said kind of like really simple drawings. Okay, okay. The yard, two men smoking, and one of the men had a pig head and a snake a snake around his body, and he's laughing at the other man. What the fuck? After the paranormal team leaves, the chief exorcist of New York City is called in. Um, I'm sorry, New York State, even better. And surprisingly, the exorcism happens with no scares, full success. And in February 20, on February 24th in 2006, the Cramners and priests do one final mass in the basement where they heard tapping and they saw a faded shadow figure. And the priest said that this thing had to leave and watched it melt into the floor and never <gasps> return. And in 2015, the son David, the one who was never affected by the hauntings, he somehow suddenly dies. <gasps> Bob and how, Lisa. How old? Well, it was the late 80s when they moved in, and he was already around like, he was in, like one to four. So let's say 85, maybe 30. Oh my God. Um, he dies suddenly. Bob and Lisa get divorced. Um, and during this time, Bob writes a memoir of the demon of Brownsville Road about their time in the house. Uh, some people shit. do have doubts about the whole story. Um, for example, the doc- they, there actually was a doctor who they figured out lived and rented in both of those houses, but there's no evidence he ever did any illegal procedures. But also, why would there be? Of course, the evidence would not. Yeah. Um, Bob also allegedly spoke to previous tenants of the house that lived there before he did and one of the women i guess wasn't um a credible source because she was giving stories about her being haunted there and then her own kids later were like none of that's true she said like uh the the woman said that like oh my dog used to follow something through the halls and the kids were like she never had a dog (laughs) so (gasps) oh uh, so girl so either the woman was lying or maybe bob like made this story up or for, like, i mean maybe she himself. was i don't know um yeah or maybe something else yeah yeah um bob also it seems according to his memoir blamed every problem with his family on the entities and <laughs> sure. refused to accept that maybe there were more common issues um but a grave was found on the property at the base of the oak tree just like the mystic said and there are prominent members of the catholic church who were in support of bob's account Bob still lives here and converted the house into a an air not Airbnb just a B and B in 2019, but he does not welcome investigations in fear of stirring up okay. former activity. I mean that's fair. I can respect that. And that's the demon of Brownsville. That is a doozy, isn't it? Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of very specific, very niche paranormal symptoms side effects mm-hmm. of the paranormal amniotic fluid as a repeated s- symbol throughout this story is something i never i've heard never of. heard of that and and when you said the abortion thing mm-hmm. it's, it's like boom like holy crap super super freaky oh my gosh that like took my breath away that was startling and i say it every time we do like a like a demon or a good haunting or possession story but like there's so few and far between because after like 300 almost 50 episodes there's just 
only so many out there. Yeah. And that was just such a really, really good one. So anyway, round of applause to our researcher. And um, it was seriously, I would have not been able to find that topic without them. So that was a that was a really good one. Yeah, I feel like um, M has had for a long time kind of a concern about running out of stories just because you know i mean everything is finite (laughs) um yeah there's only so many demon stories out there with good solid information and while as unfortunately i wish i had that concern because it would be great if crime just suddenly stopped and i ran out of stories um unfortunately that won't happen but i guess on that same in that same vein like there will continue to be stories like the watcher house or like dear david or you know so or ufo stuff so you might still continue to get like uh quite a few more new I mean, every, breaking stories everything with the government right now and the, yes. con- the hearings and so i Conspiracy mean there's always theories. stuff it just for for every one really good congressional hearing about uaps and ufos <laughs> you get about 300 new cases daily on like something you could cover yeah so the, the proportionally it is just not fair but oh no, um, no. it's it's uh it's a rough it's a rough go but um but you know I will say on that note, would this be helpful to you, Em, if we plug um, our website where you can send in submissions? Sure. Because maybe there's a list we can create that'll give you a better, like a more comforting. I think we do have a, we have a, in our own private Google Docs, I think we have a list of requests that come in every now and then. But I don't think we have like, I wish on our website if there was a way to create like some have a form submission and it just immediately falls into a google i think doc. it does is it? there a way oh no maybe at emails you you might be right wait yeah we should set that up megan <laughs> <laughs> megan <laughs> help megan we, we have something we have we do have a list somewhere no, you're right. of requests. i think the topic just... suggestion is an email you're right it's like an email the way that the actual listener story emails come in so yeah. maybe there's a way i mean i know there's a way that we could just have a form to fill out that would go into an excel spreadsheet or you know a, something like that i feel like that might be more helpful so we can sort them mm-hmm you know yeah and uh it wouldn't even necessarily need to be like your name your whatever so because presumably we'd get lots of repeats and then as long as it's like spelled correctly we could group yeah. them together um, we'll figure it out we'll shop yeah it. We'll shop i feel it. like that might be a helpful idea to just get uh one paranormal one true crime like suggestion box that goes straight to a to oh, a yeah. document Okay, so let me see, Em. I've got a doozy for you today, as usual. This is the story of Kelly Cochran. And this is one of those stories where I really didn't see it coming. Like, I... Like, didn't see, like, like, the ending? or Yeah, it's like plot twist galore. Oh, uh, which you oh know, my gosh. Yeah, we, you know we love that on this show. I love a plot twist. So, let's get into it. Christopher Reagan was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and in his early 20s, he joined the Air Force. By the time he was in his 50s, he was divorced with two children, and he wound up stationed at K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base in Marquette, Michigan, and that is where he met the lovely Terry O'Donnell. So Terry was a school teacher from Iron River, Michigan, which was like a small town uh, roughly two hours from Marquette. And Terry described Chris as someone who made people feel special. Uh, She 
did an interview on Snapped um, where she told interviewers that Chris would look at you and you'd think that you were the only person in the room. Aww. He put you. I know. I know that. I feel like M does that, though. Like, not to like bring this man's like sort of obituary to, to, to compliment you. But I feel like that is something you do. Like you really do. You're good at making people feel like they're um you know the, the most important person in the room um which i think is a great skill like a great social skill wow okay i didn't know it was compliment mj okay oh, it's true it's not and that's why this is even more uh you know I if know. it were compliment m day i could just be you would bullshitting. say <laughs> i would say m is really handsome no uh but but yeah i really do feel that way about you oh. um so he would put you up on a pedestal when you were around him. You'd feel like like he deeply cared about you, and it was just a lot of one-on-one attention. Um, and Terry and Chris were friends for two years until they decided to enter a romantic relationship. Hey, oh, uh, celery kisses. Celery kisses. Uh, and the only problem was that Chris had moved to Traverse City, Mich- Michigan, which was now six hours away. So eventually, Chris, who was now 53 years old, he was retired from the military. He was like, fuck it. I am moving up to Iron River to be with my gal. So he moved to be with Terry. Iron River was scenic and green, and Chris shared Terry's love for the outdoors. They immediately got on great, um, spending a lot of time outside, just getting to know each other better now that they were no longer long distance. And in the meantime, he was working to uh, repair his strained and distant relationship with both of his adult sons. So he frequently texted and called them, and he was really hopeful that with Terry, they could kind of rebuild a family unit with his two sons involved as well. In Iron River, Chris worked in a factory. He manufactured parts for naval vessels, and that is where he met 33-year-old Kelly Cochran, who was also new to town. Chris and Kelly were both newcomers, so they bonded at work, and Kelly had just moved to Iron River with her husband, Jason Cochran. So let's get to Kelly and Jason real quick. They were childhood friends. They grew up as next-door neighbors in Indiana. They dated through high school, you know, high school sweethearts, got married after graduation, and then as, you know, as the story goes, uh, the American Dream started their own swimming pool maintenance business together. Hey, okay. (laughs) Um, their friends thought of them as opposites, but opposites who fit together really well. So Kelly was very talkative, whereas Jason was quiet until, you know, someone really engaged with him. But they seemed really content. Their friends felt like they were truly in love. Uh, but later, Kelly would tell interviewers a different story. She said, I was trying to do what I thought was the right thing. You go to school, you go to college, you get married. I got bored from getting married. It was okay at the start, but all I did was work. And I can see how that could be hard. You enter a relationship as a child, essentially. Yeah. And then by the time you're married and a grown up, you're like, man, I just kind of did that because I thought I was supposed to. Right, right. Which is a little bit sad. Tragically, after a decade of intense physical labor in their business, Jason suffered a pretty bad back injury, uh, meaning he couldn't do any heavy lifting. So his job with like pool maintenance was just over over. 
Friends say it was clear he was in a lot of pain and it only got worse. Uh, So with Jason now disabled, Kelly picked up both of their duties. She handled all of the finances, the shopping, cooking, chores, and work to support them. So she was really struggling. Yeah, she's fully like a caregiver now. Yes, she's a caregiver on top of all the other stuff. So they were struggling to stay afloat, and in February 2014, they decided to move to Iron River to improve their options. And one of the reasons they moved to Iron River is that they wanted a medical marijuana card for Jason because of his extreme chronic pain. That was my 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 aunt suffers from incredible. I mean, she's very chronically ill, but back pain is just one of her things going on, and it's it's very severe. Um, and the whole reason they moved where they did is just to have a medical it's a, marijuana It's a real license. thing. I mean, yeah, in Kentucky. It's, it's, it's such a game changer. Such a game changer. Medical marijuana was passed this year, but we won't get it till 2025 in Kentucky. But like people in Kentucky who are, you know, it's horrible because there's like an opiate, opiate crisis for pain, like especially because it always often starts with pain management. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay, but then you won't let us legalize weed and give people an option for a safer right healthier milder way to treat pain i mean it's just so backwards but whatever um so they they moved to michigan to get a medical marijuana card uh for his chronic pain and kelly also needed a job that would pay better so in iron city she took multiple jobs of one of which was at the factory with christopher reagan So like Kelly, Chris was talkative and outgoing, and they really hit it off. Chris's girlfriend, Terry, immediately started struggling with their friendship. Um, She said that while planning a family trip to Europe, Chris said he was going to meet up with another woman and like kind of broaden his options while she was in Europe. And oh, oh, like very directly said, I'm going to. Yeah. Pursue someone. Yeah. And Terry said, oh, why? And he's like, because you're going to Europe. And she's like, I'm only going for like a few weeks. And he said, well, I don't want to be lonely or bored while you're gone. Ooh. (laughs) So Terry Hmm. was like, "Mm, don't love that. And ended their two year relationship in April of 2014. Right, 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 right. Okay, girl. And, you know, Chris moved out, but she came back from her trip because it was only a couple weeks. It wasn't like she was leaving for the year. Um, And she came back and they actually remained friends and they still hung out. But like the romance aspect of it was out the window. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, Chris was applying to new jobs around the country. Uh, He was thinking he wanted to move and start a fresh uh, career, start a fresh life. So on October 10th of 2014, he called Terry and told her about a job offer he had received in Asheville, North Carolina. And he was very excited about living in the Blue Ridge Mountains. He was a very outdoorsy guy, as I said. And so there was a lot for him there. Um, And more importantly, he'd be closer to one of his sons, Chris Reagan Jr., who was excited to spend more time with his dad because they'd been kind of working on repairing their relationship. And so they were going to kind of come back together and hopefully forge a new father-son bond, which I think is really sweet. Yeah. So on the 14th, he texted Terry that he was taking the next day off, the 15th, for an appointment. Uh, He was getting drug screening done for his new job. And that text came in at 6 a.m. So the next day, Terry didn't hear from him after the appointment. And her friends were like, oh, don't worry. Um, You know, you'll hear from him eventually. But Terry immediately knew something 
wasn't right because even though they had broken up, they were very close friends and it was very unusual for him not to respond to her texts. This is just not his normal behavior. And so she did consider, okay, well, now that he's dating all these women, maybe he had someone with him and, and didn't want to be texting Terry while the other woman was with him. So she thought, Mm -hmm. okay, fine. I'll give him some time and distance. But 10 days went by. And despite repeated texts, Terry did not hear back from Chris. So she filed a missing persons report. At first, investigators weren't immediately alarmed because they heard about the Asheville job and they thought, oh, maybe he just left early for Asheville and didn't tell anyone. Maybe he just wanted to get out of here. But when they contacted his new workplace, his supervisors had not heard from him and were like, Mm. when is he coming? Where is he? Uh, He's supposed to be starting his job soon. Um, And the next thought was, well, maybe he went for a hike in Iron River and got injured. And if he's been gone 10 days, he's probably either in bad shape or dead out in the wilderness. He had had the really bad back issues, right? Yes, he had very bad. Yes, he had. Oh, wait, no, that was the the other guy. Sorry. That was... um, I know it's it's very confusing. I'm sorry. But uh, Kelly Cochran, who is Chris's co-worker mm-hmm. um, at the factory, her husband has really bad. They're the ones who own the pool business. Gotcha. And he okay. has really bad uh, back issues. But Chris and I forgot to warn you about the gargoyles, but oh, you don't have <laughs> them here. Oh, no. You're I know, I'm just moms. trying to do mental gymnastics uh, over here. Okay. So then Chris... Jason and, Jason and Kelly. Kelly works with Chris. Chris is with Terry. Well, was with Terry, and now they're broken up. Jason and Kelly. Chris. Yes, exactly. Chris, Terry, and now they're just friends. Sorry, I know everyone else is probably like, we already did this, M. But no, I just no, no, need no, no. It's check. good to no. It's good to clarify. I feel like I listen to podcasts sometimes, and I'm like, she did what? And then I rewind, and I'm like, oh wait, no, they said Kelly, not. It it can be hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> don't don't worry. I think you're probably helping helping people understand. So now they're thinking, oh, well, maybe he's injured. Maybe he's out there somewhere. Um, And it was, you know, an area that was not uncommon for hikers to get lost or injured and need help. So the Michigan State Police got involved in the search. They brought canine units into the woods, but didn't turn anything up. And unfortunately, an early winter came that year. So the search got interrupted by snow, and that also covered tracks and made any trails Chris potentially left nearly impossible to follow. So they're kind of stranded now. Meanwhile, investigators visited Chris's apartment with Terry, his kind of girlfriend, his close friend, former girlfriend. His friend slash ex. Yeah, exactly. Terry told them that Chris was an extremely organized person. She had lived with him long enough to know that, like, he liked to keep a clean space. But his apartment, when they entered, was a disaster. Every cabinet was open. Items and papers were tossed around. The floor was cluttered. There was just shit everywhere. And Terry was like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not how he would leave his apartment, especially if you were moving out. Yeah, it also and, sounds like someone ransacked the house. It yes, sounds like- and so that's what she thought. She thought somebody had been had robbed him. She's like, there's no way this is something he did. Like, he must have been robbed. Exactly. Then they found Chris's car parked five miles out of Iron River at a park and ride lot. When they looked inside the vehicle, they noticed a post-it note in the passenger seat. And in on this postage note, 
was a set of directions. Bye. We are going on a trip, girl. We let's get going. This if is you like and I saw that, we'd be like, call my Uber hunt. now. <laughs> I know. Come to Kentucky. We're going on a scavenger hunt. It's um, giving Randonautica. It's, you I know. know. <laughs> it feels like it. It really does. Like yeah. cryptic notes, you know, with with coordinates. I'd be um, like, well, obviously, we're getting in the car right now. Let's go. Okay, so it gets weirder because on the direction on the poster with directions, there was no address. And so I it was just it. Dire- directions, but, you know, you don't know at the end, like, where he's going. So Terry said, uh, you know, this is pretty normal for him. Chris didn't know his way around Iron River, so he wrote directions for himself, like, turn left at the library. You know, Aww. he kind of scrawled out directions on post-it his notes. Own, in this- his own handmade map quest. Yes, literally his own handwritten map quest. And uh, post you tried. No. It's okay. I didn't even try. That's the saddest part. I didn't even try. Um, so detectives followed. <laughs> detectives followed the directions to an old house in a mining community called Old Caspian. So they're like, okay. So we follow the directions. Like third, I don't know. I don't know the specifics, but it's like turn here, turn here, uh, and it'll be like third house on the right. Okay. So they're doing the scavenger hunt, the randonautica. They arrive at this address. They're like, where are we? They ring the doorbell. It's the home of Kelly and Jason Cochran. <gasps> oh, so right now we think he's sleeping with her. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. That is I'm the immediate. It. Yes. That is the immediate. Oh, shit. So Jason Cochran opened the door first and they asked, uh, is Kelly Cochran home? And he said, no, I don't know where she is. Uh, and okay then, so now they're both missing great and then she disappeared behind him uh, in the, in the doorway <laughs> was and, that like a weird joke he made no the investigator actually said this is very pretty common like if a spouse opens a door and police are asking for them their, their oh. gut instinct is to say like no they're not here why can i can i help you with something so, like, cover for him yeah or to at least just like get the information before serving their spouse up on a platter like yeah here they are um, Good to know. Allison would have absolutely relinquished me to the police with no questions asked. You'd be <laughs> in in, the, in this closet recording, and Allison would be like, knock, knock. Oh, here they are. Uh, police, Allison come on would, in. <laughs> Allison would give them a list of my favorite treats to entice me into the police car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all the wrongdoings you've done against her, just in case they would, wanted to arrest you on those charges, too. <laughs> Your many wrongdoings. <laughs> She'd be like, and while you're at it, M's called me a stinky witch for six years. Do something it's about, about that. about time they get behind <laughs> bars. Oh, boy. So Kelly was friendly and investigators she said she wasn't nervous at all. She seemed genuinely concerned, like she wanted to be helpful. Uh, she introduced herself as Chris's co-worker and then said she last spoke with him on the 14th or 15th, just like Terry had. Uh, she had sent him some texts and never heard from him, so she assumed he moved to North Carolina without saying goodbye. She told investigators that she had absolutely no idea why Chris would have directions to her house in his car, um, and she just seemed genuinely so perplexed that they were like, okay. Um, she said she would contact them if she heard anything from Chris, but investigators were a little bit suspicious, not about her, but about Jason's behavior, because he was really standoffish. He seemed like he did not want to be a part of this. Uh, he had nothing to say. So they just kind of left it. 
And meanwhile, at the factory, Chris's and Kelly's co-workers told investigators that it was very unusual for Chris to miss work because he was so reliable, punctual. Um, so they were pretty concerned when he failed to show up. And they knew, as well as Terry did, that something had to be very wrong. They also added, hey, we're pretty sure that he and Kelly Cochran have been having an affair. So just mm -hmm. an FYI. Uh, so investigators were like, cool, cool, cool. Let's bring those two in for questioning. So they bring Jason and Kelly in and they start talking to Kelly and she pretty immediately fesses up to the affair. She says they would meet at Chris's apartment several times a week. And when they asked about whether her husband knew, she said, oh yeah, Jason's totally okay with the affair, well, which we uh, often know is a big fat lie. I was going to say, are they poly or something? Like in which case no, is it an affair? Absolutely oh, okay. not. In the 2020 special, you can literally see them interviewing Jason and uh, former police chief, Laura Frizzo, who I love. She just is like, she's just so like, I don't know, bright and quick. And like, I think the first female police chief in the area ever. So like, it's just cool to like see her story. But anyway, she told interviewers, what I came to learn about this marriage was that it had been in trouble for a while. Kelly was living a life of a single person. And that's because when they interviewed Jason, you can see the footage. Jason was angry and jealous about Kelly's affair. And he is telling them in no way is he okay with their affair. Okay, okay. So she's Why did telling, she think she would get away I, with I don't that. know. I'm That's like such a bold faced like I don't care if I get caught lying. Like you're about to get found out. Why would you put yourself in this predicament? Hmm. Like why not just say no, he's not okay with it. I don't know. Right. I mean I'm having an affair. You do the math. He's not down with it. Yeah, this. you don't yeah. have to like <laughs> insist that he's okay with it. He's about to tell them he's not. Um, so I thought that was odd. Uh, so police at this point are beginning to suspect that Jason might have had something to do with Chris's disappearance. He's jealous. He's, you know, like he's admitted he's jealous of this relationship. Um, but of course, they have no evidence to hold him. So they have to let him go. And five months pass by uh, during this five month period. Uh, rumors are swirling. Uh, people are talking, obviously, but really nothing new came out until March 5th of 2015. That's when a new district attorney convinced a judge to grant a search warrant for the Cochran house. So now we're getting into the actual Jason and Kelly's house Dynamics. to look for, for evidence. So the next day, police entered the home, but they failed to find any evidence connecting Chris to their home at all. However, they did not go home empty-handed. They did happen to find a little something. And uh -oh. that little something was a rough draft of a book Jason was writing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, the book was written under his online gaming al uh, <laughs> alias. Oh, my God. Tell me what it is. Please tell me what it is. What Can is you it? take a guess? It's, I mean, uh, you're not going to guess it. Oh, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it boring? It's stupid. Is it like it's something like, 69? It's like or... something I would have done. <laughs> That, that, I'm always that, crazy. That, four, four, four. I mean, basically, his <laughs> alias was Quack Quack. <laughs> okay. And the story. Guess what the story is called? Bark, bark, bark. Woof, woof. What? 
What? It was actually a children's flap open. Is it open old McDonald's book. had a farm? What? Um, the story was called Quack Quack's Revenge. Oh my god. Okay. Maybe we'll shop the title. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, I don't think I want to be part of it, but you can. So, so revenge is in like it's implying that he already knew about the affair and is now going to kill the two of them. Well, sort of. Um, it, he definitely did know about the affair. He had admitted, like, he knew about it. He just had to say, set the record straight, that he wasn't happy about it. Mm-hmm. So he had known about the affair. It wasn't a shock to him, but he was not happy about it. So, yeah, when Quack Quack's revenge surfaced, I know, it's like, oh, bud, like, what are you doing? Um, How old is this man? In his, like, 50s? I don't know. Quack Quack would have been hysterical as, like, a neo pet when i was 12 you i know? feel like that probably was taken and it would have to be like quack quack 60,532 because everyone wanted to name their new like that's such a perfect neo pet name i feel like it would have been but it wouldn't it, it would have been any animal but a duck that would have been the humor oh, of there. course not and then yeah. you would have had to get a duck and named it like <laughs> woof woof moo moo you know one yeah. of the cow ones it is quack, quack yeah exactly um you get it um did I you know it. neopets is having like a resurgence no oh my god i just found this out because i hacked and i didn't hack in well i did hack into my old account um and i was like holy shit and i joined this was the saddest part ever alexander and i both looked up like a member since and it said september 12th 2001 oh and we were like clearly we needed an outlet (laughs) what was the one that i was a part i didn't do neopets was it it wasn't Webkins, which I thought oh, was an oh, excellent Club, business. Club Penguin. Club Penguin. Oh my god, I love. I never Club did Penguin. Club Penguin. I did. We should I... get. Let's get Club Penguin accounts and Twitch stream it together. Oh well, <laughs> let's get Neopets because that's the one I'm really good at. I mean, okay, I when, that I, when a hardcore. cow shows up named Quack Quack, I hope you s- friend accept me. We're gonna friend accept <laughs> each other. Yeah, let's all. You guys, can we all be Neopets friends, everybody? That would be so fun. If there's an, that's why I drink Neopets Discord. I'm sure it can be set up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Okay, seriously, folks, Hang on, we're gonna do see, it. If people are interested, how, how easy is it to Neopets? How easy is it to what? Why to just to just you can just join? Oh God, I have like eighty five accounts. Yeah, you can join anytime. I'm it's totally so getting f- one today. Wow, oh, what a waste of my time! I'm oh, so excited. Oh, and it's the best. My oh, by my handle by the way, if anyone is looking, is Tootsie two hundred eight. Um, so <laughs> but if, quack quack was crazy. <laughs> listen, I was what ten nine eleven ten. What was I it? Was to- going Tootsie through nine eleven. Tootsie two hundred eight. I'm sorry. Did you just say I was going through nine eleven? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through 912 that day and I feel like it's okay that I wanted to escape with a little online gaming. I so if we ask the the star of the story that you're telling why he called it quack quack, why he called his username quack quack, can he get away with saying oh, I was just going through 9/11. Wait a second. He was on Club Penguin. <laughs> And he wasn't quite sure what noise penguins make. I've never, ever heard some. (laughs) Never in my life heard someone say that they were going through 9-11 as an excuse (laughs) for why their Neopets name is Tootsie Quack Quack. (laughs) (laughs) You just came up with a 
whole new a whole new rationale. I'm gonna try that on my therapist later and see what she says. Oh, I was going through nine. <laughs> Okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> I was going through the collective trauma that the entire nation was feeling, and I was 10, okay? I wasn't saying I was going through 9-11 like I was personally affected. I just meant, you know, I was struggling with understanding it sounds what like, was going on. So, who, The only other person I've ever known to use that excuse it's is Ryan from The Office. So was, embarrassing. It's like, I, had, I never fully recovered from 9-11. <laughs> Me neither. It's so funny. No, uh, I know, I know, but I mean, I. I'm sweating, but that was the funniest. That was this is the most I've never I, like of all the things I would have expected to come out of your mouth. That was not I was it. Going to I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Well, well, hey, now I have a whole new incredibly fucked up inside joke for my arsenal. I, I needed Great. one. Thank you. Um, by the <sighs> way, I just won 5,000 Neo points on a Terror Trove scratch card. So I feel like you and I are going to have a blast. Um, what I the sh- hell does that mean? I can tell you all the fun. I learned how to gamble for sure on uh, Neopets. I learned all my gambling techniques on Neopets. You were gambling at 10? Were you still processing 9-11? Or? Well, obviously, I think I've made that abundantly clear. Okay. Um. Okay, let's get back to the story. Let me find the other tab that's not Neopets. Okay, so Quack Quack's Revenge. Let's get back to that, which is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. Um, (laughs) Here we go. Uh, So in Quack Quack's Revenge, this is the story, right? He goes on a vent. Oh, by the way, it's handwritten, which makes it so much creepier. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. He goes on a vengeful killing spree. And one of his victims in the story is named Chris. Mm, well, that's a that's a humdinger right there. There it is. Um, so on March 25th, investigators returned to the Cochrans, but the couple was gone. Uh, they had actually just packed up all of their belongings and peaced out. They literally ran. Damn. They left town. Um, and I believe that the actual way they found out was that a neighbor called uh, the called the police chief and said like hey um i just watched them pack up their car and like leave for good (laughs) and they were like shit so god damn it (laughs) god damn it so they packed up all their belongings and moved and moved away now at first uh they couldn't figure out where they could have been but suddenly (laughs) the police chief hears from two private investigators who say oh the cochran's yeah, don't worry. We placed a GPS tracker on their car last week. Oh, thank God. Okay. And the police are like, oh, hell yeah. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were like, oh, we were also looking into those guys. So we know exactly where they are. Uh, turns out they had driven back to Indiana. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess we're trying to to hide out. So Iron River police got in touch with Indiana authorities who got a DNA warrant and they took DNA samples from Kelly and Jason, but the trail went cold. Um, unfortunately, the Cochran's were the only lead and there was no evidence to support investigator suspicions that they had done it except this creepy book. So it was sort of like, well, shit, like what else do we have to go on? Right. So they just had to wait. Then the Cochran's neighbors speak up 
and they say to police, hey, we have a weird little like fun fact for you. Um, back in October of 2014, Kelly and Jason were burning something in their backyard, kind of like oh. secretly, and it smelled pretty putrid. Uh, meanwhile, in a nearby body of water called the Caspian Pit, divers found a burn barrel tied to a cement block to weigh it down. <laughs> Damn, that's uh, suspicious. <laughs> yeah, not suspicious at all. Um, but unfortunately, the barrel had kind of disintegrated, come apart, and there was nothing inside the barrel. Very mm. frustrating. Then, fast forward to February 2016. The, the police are kind of sitting there going, shit, well, like, what do we need to, to pin this on them? Now they're out of the state. Like, they've basically evaded justice. We don't know how to get back on their trail. Okay. Don't worry. Kelly did that for them. Oh, thanks, Kel. Thanks, Kel. Kelly calls Indiana police in February of 2016 in complete hysterics. Ooh. She says her husband, Jason, wasn't breathing and they needed to come right away. So paramedics found Jason warm, sweaty, and sitting up. Kelly kept trying to interfere with paramedics to the point that they, like, notated, they made a note of how in their space she was like she mm. wouldn't let them do their work she kept trying to get her hands in and you know mess around with what they were doing so i they wonder what the prof i wonder what the professional way to write that down in a log is of like like don't let her get near us get when her out of my hospital. grill dude i don't know yeah yeah so she, they actually had to move Jason outside to the ambulance to finish evaluating him because she was so in their face and they found a needle where he had been laying and considered maybe he was using heroin because he had such chronic pain. Um, mm. But the death also didn't appear to be an overdose. So they were a little confused about uh, what could be going on. And so Kelly thought, okay, well, I know I'll, I'll notify Jason's best friend that he has passed away. So Jason's best friend, Walter, gets a message about Jason's death. Kelly said, your friend has passed away. And Walter was like, this is getting real fishy. Mm. It was also right around the time he saw a missing persons poster for a guy in the town that he knew Jason and Kelly lived. So he's like, something very oh. weird is going on. And his gut was like, this isn't good. So he contacts police and he says, there is no way Jason was using heroin. Like, he's my best friend. I promise you that is not what happened. Um, Walter also knew that Jason and Kelly had moved back to Indiana. Um, they had actually, Jason had actually told him, oh, by the way, we're suspects in a missing persons case. <laughs> That's why we moved <laughs> from Michigan to Indiana. And so he was like, okay, so this is getting really fucking shady. Um, but he told police when they came home to Indiana, Jason really struggled. Um, he spent some time in the hospital for depression and a possible suicide attempt. And after that, Kelly began isolating Jason. Oh, okay. So he only had a few friends. He really struggled to go places by himself because of his disability. And Kelly made it increasingly difficult for him to reach out to people, to go anywhere. He was basically stuck at home. And anytime he was even playing a game with his friends online, the second Kelly got home, he'd be like, sorry, I got to go. Got to shut it off. Can't be playing my game. Oh, he was like very on eggshells around her about yes, having Yes, he a was life. like under her thumb. Yeah. 
So the medical examiner released his autopsy at the end of February, and that is when it was revealed that although there was a large amount of drugs in his system, his actual cause of death was strangulation. <gasps> mm. Oh. And he also had a bad back, so he couldn't even oh. escape if he wanted to. Horrible. Oh. So Kelly was now the suspect in Jason's murder and Chris's disappearance. Mm-hmm. On February 21st, investigators brought Kelly in for questioning on Jason's death, but she basically gave them nothing. So detectives were like, you know what, Walter, buddy, hey, you know how much how close we are uh, as the police and you, our buddy, Walter? Well, we have some undercover work for you to do. We have some secret plot. This is like my dream that someone's like, I need you to be like the the go-between like i need you to get the intel you know what i mean i do know what you mean and you would be very good at it but he <laughs> understandably did not want to do it uh mm-hmm. they and i get it i feel like in this scenario i wouldn't want to do it either they basically told him he had to call kelly and lie to her face about something and they would easy they, for me they were yeah. check next. Okay. What's what's the hard part? I'm confused. He was like, I felt really guilty. I was like, okay. Um, so detectives involved Walter. On March 12th, Walter called Kelly on a line that of course police were recording. He told her a fabricated story that back in February, before Jason died, he had mailed Walter a letter. Mm. So basically he tells Kelly. Hey, I don't know how else to tell you this, but it, it's just kind of creeping me out. Um, I received a letter from Jason uh, before he died saying, if something were to happen to me, forward this note to the Iron River police. Oh. And so Walter said there is a stamp on this letter. It's in a sealed envelope. The The Iron River police are... The address is written on the envelope with no return address. And in this letter, Walter tells Kelly, Jason wrote, if anything happens to me over the next few weeks, mail this to the police. It's all a lie. Sure. Just keep it, keep in mind. But yeah, yeah. he is telling Kelly this. She falls for a hook, line, and sinker because he says to her, it looks like I'm supposed to mail this. And she goes, please don't. Love it. Shady. Walter said in that moment, he knew Kelly and Jason had been guilty of Chris's disappearance. And he remembers thinking, I don't know where Chris is, but I'm sure he's dead. Yeah. He, he was like, the second she said that, I was like, shit. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Both Walter and Kelly's friend Jennifer were worried Kelly might hurt them next, which is pretty wild because like your friend or your friend's spouse is now a murderer potentially and also you're kind of involved now so walter's like shit i could be the next target i'm the one who said i would send this letter to the police like she might come after me oh and that's such a that's such a fair fear totally valid i walked myself right into fire trying to be helpful but now i'm like i have a target on my back and to be fair like he was kind of pushed into it by the police it wasn't necessarily (laughs) even walking like he was kind of dragged in um So police put pressure on Kelly to confess, and bizarrely, after one detective noticed that Kelly frequently went to the park to sit under a tree, this detective was like, I have a new angle, and I'm going to really get her good. 
and everyone was like, okay. just wait till you hear what it is, Em. He was like, I think this will do the trick. And everyone was like, yo, I don't know. We don't want to be part of this. This is what, what? he did. So he had been, this detective had been following her for a while to just keep an eye on wh- what she did day to day. He noticed she went to the park to sit under a tree. And uh, apparently she would go there and just, I don't know, stare out at the specific tree. So one day after she left, he went and carved the words, Chris is here into <gasps> the tree. What? Okay. His goal was to make Kelly think Chris was haunting her. Girl. <laughs> Please. That is... That was the best plan they had? Didn't anyone else go like, hmm, there's probably they something else. They were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> did it work? Okay, let me tell you what happened. So the detective said, Kelly, the next time she went to the tree, he's watching it, of course, like, what's going to happen? Kelly looked at the tree, ran, ran from the park, and sped off in her vehicle. And that night, she contacted him and admitted that her husband, Jason, had murdered Chris in a jealous rage, and she was a victim of his controlling abuse. It literally worked. I, I, that feels like the first draft of a book that needs a lot of editing. A lot of work. That feels so unrealistic that almost makes me think that we're trying too hard with every other sting operation we've ever done if if it's that easy if we can just convince someone they're being haunted by the person that actually that's not a bad book idea write that down tm tm but tm also being haunted like that's not even like you wake up and there's chairs in the middle of your house that would have actually been kind of cool if they were like we're gonna break into her house when she's like taking a shower and like fuck with yeah, all that her is furniture. cool um let's break up into her break into her house while she's in the well, shower if you're the police i feel like if you're doing an, <laughs> you're a sting allowed. operation <laughs> well i feel like that would be at least like a creepy or haunting but like a random carving so, in a tree so apparently the way this was described was that uh, like in more detail, this particular detective had kind of done his own undercover work to an extent. I was not quite undercover, but he would meet with her regularly and tried to gain her trust. So mm-hmm. it got to the point where like she was like confiding him in it and he was saying, oh, man, I'm totally on your side. Like she thought this detective was like her friend, mm. you know, and okay. then he really wanted her to trust him. But she would go to this place in the park. She did not think anyone knew that she was going here, right? So she would do this just okay. kind of habitually. But, like, nobody knew that she had this secret little clearing she would sit in, except this but, one detective. But even, like, the possible, like, for me to even, the the probability that someone's going to look at the right tree at the right angle and actually take time to read the carvings. And like, like there's so many ways that that would have been such a long game of waiting. I know. I wonder. So he said it was one very particular tree that she sat at. So I'm like, I wonder if this bench was next to a tree and she could see the tree right from the bench. How big do you make the carving before it's too obvious, you know, like, but it's, it's, it has to be big enough that she notices. Yeah. So I'm going to write Chris was here, uh, police tree and see what happens. 
uh, wow, that did not work. Uh, <laughs> which is wild, because you would think... How many p- cr- crisp was your police trees are there? <laughs> you would think for the amount of people who are into, like, morbid tourism, that tree would be getting a lot of play right now. You know, like, there'd be pictures, people would be taking I, pictures with the tree, I you mean, know? I mean, I can't even find a photo. That's wild. I, th- I'm still, we're not even t- taking enough time to... That th- that plan was the worst plan to actually go right. I mean, it's really shocking that it worked. I'll agree with you there. I'm am- I'm amazed that yeah that that blew my mind. Yeah, and uh, I thought that's Looney Tunes, and now she's gonna think somebody knows where she goes and hangs out. But apparently, she believed it, and she came running out of the woods. Um, so she sped off in her vehicle. Then she called. Uh, the guy, the detective who wrote it <laughs> and said, didn't say anything about the tree, but basically said, you know what? I have to fess something up to you. My husband did this and he's an abuser to me. And so that was at least a break in the case. Um, of course, detectives didn't think this was the whole story before they could bring Kelly in for more questioning. She skipped town again and went on the run. Hmm. So on April 26, 2016, Kelly texted one of the detectives, this same guy, she's playing like, the, the way they described it was like a cat and mouse game. Like, I mean, it is a cat and mouse game. He's writing secret notes in trees. She's falling for it. She's giving him like half the truth. Truth. They're meeting for pie at the diner and like, she's trusting him, but not really. So she goes on the run. No one knows where she get, is. And then... This same detective that they're having this kind of cat and mouse thing receives a text from Kelly. Oh, God. And the text reads, the West Coast looks beautiful this morning. So she's telling him where she is. That's so eerie. It's weird. Like, he's not on your side, girl. Does she? And she really believes that he's on her side. No, I think she just thinks like, oh, this is a fun little Cat, cat and mouse, mouse game. It also feels like, is she flirting with him or something? It I don't felt understand. a little flirty. It felt a little flirty. And I think they did insinuate that it was kind of a flirtatious like relationship. Like maybe he was her target or something. Yeah, like I think she thought she could kind of flirt him into her circle, into her corner. Huh. Okay. So. Wow. So there, talk about a confidence to just like <laughs> think you can get away with that. That's ballsy. Ooh. So she says uh, the West Coast looks beautiful this time of year, this morning. Um, so now they know where, at least in general, where she is. And, you know, her behavior, this whole investigation has been disturbing, to put it lightly. Uh, she seemed to lack any sort of guilt or empathy whatsoever. Um, it was like this was all a big game. And she kind of mm. was like had a thrill about sending texts and like giving little clues it feels really all of it has some sort of air of like immaturity to it of like i mean truly seeing like a carving in a tree and immediately feeling just like like you have to fess up it feels like a movie like it's like a little too yeah and then like i don't know it just all feels like you should at least know if you're gonna commit multiple murders you know maybe hide it i don't know it just seems like she like she's like really naive she's being naive she's being completely naive that's a good way to put it like she really thinks that she can just like give little clues and they won't come back to bite her in the ass like come on yeah yeah 
So after a nationwide search, uh, they eventually found Kelly, and she had actually been arrested at her cousin's house in Wingo, Kentucky. And police from Michigan and Indiana both drove down to question her. She told investigators that she and Chris planned to run away together, but that Jason had discovered their affair and was jealous and became violent and killed Chris. Hmm. She said on October 13, 2014, the couple got into an argument about Chris and Jason brought up a pact they had made on their wedding night. Are you ready for the pact? I literally, I, I cannot wait. <laughs> so she tells police, well, our pact on our wedding night was that if one of us cheats, they would have, we, the cheater would have to kill the <gasps> partner they cheated on. What? That feels like a, like a pact like a not like this is like like a silly funny joke but it feels like something that like someone maybe said like off the cuff or something as like a not serious thing and but then she like really took it seriously i don't know that feels really weird like taken out of context or something yeah so it goes on because apparently jason allegedly told kelly that if she didn't stay true to their pact and kill chris oh shit he would. So that was part of the pact as well. It was, you have to kill the person you cheated with, or the other person will then do it, if you're not going to do it. I can't, I can't, um, I can't imagine making a promise that intense. Like, thinking, well, that will never, ha first of all, I can't imagine making the, that promise. But then, even if I did, I'd be like, well, that's never going to happen, so why would I even have to worry about that? And then all of a sudden being put in that situation, it's like, well, I take that back. It was just uh, it was just my words. You yeah, know? <laughs> so just for some clarity, this woman lies nonstop. So I don't think this is even true. Um, okay, I'm pretty sure a... she just made this up. Because so then outlandish. when they kind of pushed back, like, that is pretty outlandish and wild. She was like, I know, I thought it was a joke, but he took it way too seriously. And I'm like... Girl, did you just make this up? Like, this doesn't make any... I, I don't know whether it was made up or not, but uh, that is what she insisted happened. Um, so Kelly, this is her story. She said she had invited Chris over for dinner and sex. She said they were actually having sex at the top of the basement stairs when Jason came up the stairs and shot Chris in the back of the head. Then he used a saw in the basement... Oh, by the way, when they, like asked her about this in the trial she was like oh yes we were still having sex as we fell down the stairs <laughs> i was like ew what the also, actual fuck is going on also if you're coming so wait he... so they're doing it up at the top of the stairs jason shows up on the stairs so they did they're not even hiding that they're having the affair so because if I, you heard someone walk in wouldn't you be like oh we have to stop having sex but yeah. you literally let him get to the stairs i actually thought it was the other way i've seen multiple sources some say he was on the basement stairs going up some say he came into the house saw them at the top of the stairs shot him in the head and they went tumbling down the stairs so oh god i mean it's probably not what happened, so okay. Let's sure. just say, like, we don't have to sure. give it too much credence. Um, but that is the story she told. She said then Jason used a saw in the basement to dismember Chris, and then they scattered Chris's body in the woods. 
And uh, Kelly said that while she was hiding Chris's remains, she was planning Jason's death because he had murdered her one true love. Uh, She said Chris had been the only good thing in her life. And now she resented Jason for taking that away, even though she was also involved and was like hiding his body. So in February 2016, Jason had been struggling with this worsening back pain, and Kelly told him she'd get a drug to ease his pain. She found for him some heroin and gave him a lethal dose. But Jason didn't die as fast enough as Kelly thought he would, so she told police he was still conscious when she strangled him to death. Oof. In April 2016, Kelly was charged with both murders. Chris's ex-girlfriend, Terry, the one we heard about up top, who, like, he had moved to town for her and they had had that long-distance relationship. She was absolutely horrified by the details of the case. Uh, She said she always suspected they had hurt Chris in the woods and left him there to die. But she never suspected how depraved this murder actually was. Um, On May 18, 2016, police set out again with canine units to find Chris's remains after Kelly gave them a tip on where they could be. Um, They only found Chris's skull and a few other bone fragments, but there was a bullet hole in the skull. So it it could be. It could be. Um, The problem is, like, now that Jason is dead, we don't hear his side. Like, it could have been Kelly who killed him. I don't know, but... Jason also had that book about revenge. So, I mean, for all I know, he could have done exactly what she said and shot him at the top of the stairs. I'm not sure. Um, Kelly also surrendered a pair of forceps, which she said she and Jason used to remove the bullet from Chris's skull. And Mm. when they tested the forceps, they tested positive for Chris's blood. So it is possible that that's how it went. In a 2018 documentary on the case called Dead North, former police chief Laura Frizzo, who I was mentioning earlier, was reenacting the discovery of Chris's skull and like showing the video crew where it had been found when they actually discovered Chris's jawbone. They hadn't found it in the previous searches. So and it was where? Where his skull was originally found. She just brought them out to the site to say, like, uh. this is where we found his skull. And one of the crew members found like tripped on it yeah like basically stumbled <laughs> upon uh, oh my god chris's jawbone which must have just been so i don't know jarring that oh. feels more like like a haunted activity than the, you right? know, the tree carving it's like That's oh here's my mouth spooky right Ugh. so kelly refused several plea deals and went to trial for murder uh lying to a police officer and mutilating a dead body She did take the stand during the trial, and she told the defense team that her initial confession wasn't exactly right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She said that actually Jason violently abused her during their marriage, and she had invited Chris over the night he was killed, but she didn't know Jason was home. So Jason snuck up on them while they were having sex and shot Chris. Uh, Jason told Kelly he would kill her, too, if she didn't help him dismember Chris, and that was the only reason she had participated in the dismembering of Mm -hmm. chris um the jury didn't buy her story uh many people had long believed that kelly was actually the controlling abusive party in her marriage to jason as we could tell by the way that she controlled when he left the house what he did how many friends he was allowed to have his internet usage i mean classic abusive behavior classic controlling manipulative behavior 
So nice. on February 28th, tw- did you just say nice? <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> on February 28th, 2017, the jury found Kelly guilty on all accounts, including first degree premeditated murder after only three hours of deliberation. Oh, okay. She, yeah, they were like, we don't believe you for a second, especially with all the lies. Like, come on. Especially when like Jason was already dead, you could have come up with this story of he was abusing you and now you're free to say your piece and you right know. now it's suddenly like oh i forgot to tell everybody it's like well yeah yeah it's yeah, kind of yeah. late for that um so she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole she was then sent to indiana to be tried for jason's murder because this one right. was just about chris so instead <laughs> okay. she entered a plea deal and pled guilty to jason's murder and was sentenced to 65 years in prison for the crime so in the Dead North documentary, Kelly's own brother claimed Kelly and Jason could be responsible for even more unsolved murders. Oh, interesting. So the the two of them as a couple were very toxic and violent. Sure. Um, but there's no evidence currently backing that claim. So, But the fact that it's Kelly's brother saying like, hey, I think they've done more. like That's damning. That's damning, right? Yeah. So in an interview with 2020 reporters, Kelly told another version of her story where actually now she says she was tied up while Jason forced her to watch him kill and dismember Chris. So like, we don't, I mean, she just made that up in prison and told them like, right. I have a feeling we've never actually heard the truth. That's exactly it. Like, that's why I'm like, don't like, you know, don't give too much weight to any of these because we don't really know what happened except that in some way she was responsible so uh laura frizzo said quote this is the first i'm hearing of her ever saying she was tied up this is a game and she's going to continue this game as long as she can and that is the story of kelly cochran wow her lunacy (laughs) i was gonna say yeah great word ups and downs and twists and turns i'm telling you plot twist galore you know what i mean quack quack approved apparently quack, i don't quack. know quack quack inspired i guess yeah <laughs> the story okay there was like a note about oh shit i meant to write what like quack quack re- there was a note about like what quack quack's revenge like a line from it it is balloon balloon tunes like it is next level noodles all the way to the top um oh i know i need to find maybe we can do like a a, a separate reading on patreon yeah um <laughs> Well, hey, speaking of Patreon, we're yes. going to go over there and chit-chat, and I have a little BuzzFeed quiz I want your responses to. Oh, and is it maybe, a spooky a spooky? It's a spooky one. I got some spooky news to share with you and yeah. all kinds of he, good here's stuff. Here's the so. thing, just to give everyone, so we, we did after chats for a while. We felt like they weren't really pick it up because i think it was just like us randomly rambling um we are now creating more structured episodes for patreon that are um typically like true crime or paranormal related um they have more of like a theme and a topic and actually patrons can submit topic ideas um and they go into a list that we can kind of pick and choose from um for example like i might cover some case updates on stories that uh i've covered in the past like you know if people are finally apprehended brought to justice um we might cover paranormal cases that m hasn't been able to cover because they're too small you know or we might go over a buzzfeed listicle or quiz or i don't know but we're trying to keep it more go through some top- topical news things yeah like that. 
And so we're hoping um, people are more into that um, because it's, you know, on brand. It's just an extension of the episodes themselves. So if you're interested, um, you can go to patreon.com slash AT. What is it? WWD? Is it? Hold on. Patreon.com slash ATWWD podcast. That's the one. Um, and check us out there. We have a lot of fun stuff. And um, yeah, we're excited. Oh, Christine. Oh. That was a, a bit of a longer one, but I don't even care. That was Those are some good stories. Man, we nailed it. I hope. <laughs> and that's why we drink. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.